Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. I'm gonna die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. You're a slacker. You stupid idiot! Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Oh, idiot! Game over, man! Hey, hey, careful Whoa. with that, Ronnie Millsap. We're downrange. What's the matter with you? I feel like a Kentucky Fried Idiot. Oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. They're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. Gentlemen, Ciccolini here may talk like an idiot and look like an idiot, but don't let that fool you. He really is an idiot. I was going to spend a night assembling the boys you, but this is holding my interest. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. This is episode 33, where we finally bid a fond farewell to Battlestar Galactica as we cover the post-series movie The Plan and then never speak of BSG again. Oh, who are we kidding? We're definitely going to be talking about Battlestar Galactica whenever we have a chance. My name is Todd, and with me as always is a man who has been the newly christened Czar of Char, and will be soon making his first million on merchandise, coming to a store near you, and he's going to cut me completely out of the deal. He is the Terry Gordy to my Steve Williams. The Steiners never knew what hit him when we came to the ring. I give you the man they called him. My brother, how we doing? I'm doing all right, sir. How about yourself? I am well. A happy Father's Day to you, sir. Yes, that is correct. We are recording this on Sunday, June 21st. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Top Fuel Car Funny Cars! (laughs) (laughs) You notice we don't have any more of that, because that's pretty much what caused the hole in the ozone layer. Right there. It's it's those funny cars and like Bigfoot. That's really what it is. It wasn't the styrofoam cups. It was the monster truck rallies. (laughs) Of course. Of course. (laughs) Oh, man. So, all right. I'm going to ask you this question, sir. Can you name the tag team? Uh, off the top of my head, I will concede defeat on this one and say no, I cannot. You have you have stumped me, sir. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, kudos, kudos to you. It took you a full year, but you did it. This is this is a red letter day, ladies and gentlemen. Just let me bask in the glory of this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I just want to just you know. To, to pat my own back, a la Barry Horowitz, I just want to say, uh, given all the banter from the time you said the tag team name to when you asked the question, I did look it up, so I do know what it is. But I want to be honest. I want to be a uh, straight shooter with you. So I, I did not know. I, I am not a student of the NWA, WCW sort of history as much as I am WWF. So you, sir, have stumped me. I tip my hat to you. Very impressive. The Miracle Violence Connection, which honestly is one of the greatest tag team names ever. That just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a thing of beauty. It is a thing of beauty. <laughs> oh, my God. The Miracle Violence Connection. What does that even mean? <laughs> it doesn't... Nothing. It's... it's <laughs> Dude, you're looking for meaning in pro wrestling, really? Well, no, it's just Come like it's just like some of these names, like you know the uh, the Bolsheviks, like we did last week. You know, you you can understand where that comes from. You know, the uh, the 
you know, when Tito Santana and, and Rick Martel, they did the Can-Am connection. That's, can, can, you know, Canada-America. You get it, you know? Mm-hmm. The Road Warriors look like the Road Warriors, you know? It's like, it's like the miracle violence connection. I just don't quite get it, you know? Well, I'm going to guess that they were very violent. Well, and it was a connection that they had, and that it was a miracle if you actually lived past their match. Oh, okay, all right. That's that's me connecting the dots. Of course, again, looking for meaning in the midst of professional wrestling is a dangerous thing because, after all, why did Jim Cornette carry a tennis racket to the ring every match? Yes, Do you know, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. No idea. Exactly. Unless he was hoping to, exactly hoping to play a match while the match was going on. I don't know, but. Perhaps. Maybe. Perhaps. Maybe. So uh, it is It is Father's Day here, so a belated, by the time this is posted, happy Father's Day to everybody. Uh, well, to, to all the fathers, I guess. Not everybody in particular. <laughs> this is one of those holidays where you do kind of fall on one side of the fence or the other. I mean, yes, it's, yes. <laughs> it's just, that's just the way it is. Uh, so uh, the funny part of this is, you being the czar of char, yes. I was the one barbecuing today. Uh, <laughs> yes. you had the day off. Absolutely. Uh, we we decided to get a little takeout from a local establishment called Warren's Ale House. Uh, I got mm. myself a nice burger called the District Burger. It has a fried egg, bacon, blue cheese, uh, right on top of a nice burger. Uh, it was uh, fantastic. And Tim's cholesterol is now somewhere hovering in the five hundreds. Yes, basically. Right now, uh, <laughs> yep, we're we're holding on for dear life at this point. <laughs> that's that's good and bad cholesterol. It's just. <laughs> Essentially, his blood type is cheddar right now. That's but, where, yeah, that's basi- where he's at. Basically, yeah. Uh, but but you, sir, you, sir, uh, dove into the... Oh, I see what you did there. In, in, into the ring. Uh, and and what, what did we prepare for this evening? Well, so I had myself some lovely steak tips. Uh, oh. my, uh, so I was, I was in charge of grilling, so I was two-thirds of the meal prep. My wife made some lovely roasted potatoes. With nice. some uh, Montreal seasoning and truffle oil, which was quite delightful, oh. and I, I was grilling the steak tips that uh, have a house marinade from a place uh, right around by our house, a nice market that does this. And the the key here, kids, the key, kids, come come a little closer to your radio, come a little closer. To your radio. I got Uncle no Todd. sponsorship because we haven't done the uh, beer or, or the drink selection uh, segment of well, the show. So this Uncle the, the, Todd moment is brought to you by Uncle Todd. Have at it. I, I'll, there'll be a, another one later, I bet. So, uh, kids, come here. If if you ever go to a place and they say we marinate the steaks, that, I mean that's one thing. I, I mean anyone anyone can throw some meat into a bucket with some stuff and and call it marinating. If they say we marinate it, but we vacuum seal it, kids, just buy it. Don't even ask what the meat is. Might be roast. Ar- might be might be like skinned aardvark. I don't know. But if you if you marinate something. <laughs> And you vacuum seal it. Oh my gosh. It opens up all the pores on the meat, and that that like marinade gets like sucked right in. And oh my gosh, it's so good. Nice. So kids, the Uncle Todd's advice here is, if so, if someplace advertises that they they vacuum seal the meat as they marinate it, you want to get a hold of that because that is going to be some tasty dinner right there. Mm-hmm. So listen to your Uncle Todd. Go with the vacuum sealed marinated meat. Nice, nice. 
So uh, had that, and then uh, also grilled some asparagus, mm-hmm. which uh, to me, uh, I mean, asparagus, it's asparagus. It's a green vegetable, so I get to check that off the list and say, hey, maybe, you know, maybe I held off that you know, stroke for another six months or something. Between the two know. of us uh, in a contest, tale of the tape, if, if I may, on cholesterol, uh, Uncle Todd wins. I don't know. You have no, I have no idea how much truffle oil was on those potatoes because they <laughs> tasted awesome. So that might have just been out and out like a gallon and a half of oil. I don't I don't even know. It might have been 30 weight. It just tasted good. That's oh, all I know. Truffle oil. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. It is lovely. Yes. So I thought you were going somewhere completely different uh, with the with the dive in, but I guess we'll talk about that in a little bit. So but but thank you to everyone out there listening. We do appreciate your your patronage, patronage, patron well, I mean even if you patronize us, we're we're actually open with that too because we're just Good or bad intention, we don't care. Uh, we just we thrive on that. So uh, thank you for tuning in, for downloading. You can find us at freerangeidiocy.com. That will take you right to our Podbean page with all of our episodes. You can also subscribe to us on Podbean. You can subscribe to our podcast through Spotify and iTunes as well. We're on the social medias, on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. All of those are at freerangeidiocy. And you can also find us on YouTube. Absolutely no success about what's going on. I have no idea what's going on there. I'm about ready to just dump YouTube because they're ticking me off. I spend time uploading an episode and then it just it sits there like a fart in a punch bowl. It's just obnoxious and oh, and a little smelly. So that might be going away. I don't know. Uh, but you can also send us questions. You can send us suggestions. Feedback, if you will. Mm-hmm. We, are, we, are, we are nothing if not a show for the people. Again, I now I, I did your people. thing. I, I I went I went Super Mario. I don't know why now. I've got like I've got like, you know, Bane who's who's also from Tuscany apparently. I don't know. Um, but you can send any questions or comments to Tim at freerangeadc.com and he will be Johnny on the spot mm-hmm. and answer you right back or he just might ignore you. I don't know. I stay out of that business. That's that's totally up to him. Kind of depends so, if it ends up in the junk mail folder or not. <laughs> Well, it'd be kind of nice if that didn't happen. Well, we're working on it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I knew we should have tested this crap. (laughs) Anyways, so, uh, so, sir, we come now to our first portion of our show, and uh, the big question so far is, what are you drinking on this Father's Day? To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Ah, there we go. We have a can, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Tonight, I'm going to be enjoying... Uh, a brew entitled Lagunitas, a little uh, something something ale, a way smooth and silky IPA. Wait, that's the name of it? A little something something. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. It is fantastic. Uh, from from Chicago. Oh, I didn't know Lagunitas was from Chicago. I thought of, I didn't. I thought it was from a. Uh, I thought it was from California or something. Sorry. I, then again, I have no idea why. No, no, it, it, you're right. It is from California and Chicago, Illinois, uh, is the Lagunese Brewing Company. Oh, very interesting. So, yeah. Learn something new every day. Good stuff. Un- unfortunately, I don't retain any of it, So, but then I get to learn it again later. And what are you drinking, Look- sir? Well, so I I completely messed up last week. Last Sunday was National Bourbon Day, and what was I doing? I was drinking beer. So- <laughs> Oh, you idiot. <laughs> Way to represent. 
my friend from Kentucky, if he found that out, he oh. would be, he, he would be very upset with me. So I'm trying to make up for it this week, and I am I'm enjoying once again Old Forester. That is uh, the first bottled bourbon straight out of Kentucky. It is straight bourbon whiskey out of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, uh, let me reach for the bottle here. Uh, the distillery was established in 1870. It is 86 proof and quite, quite, quite lovely. Nice. nice. Very smooth. A very nice, nice, smooth, drinkable bourbon. And just uh, right down, kind of right down the, right down the middle of the alley. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I, I do want to jump in and mention, though, um, and I wanted to ask you, uh, out where you're at, do you have uh, Two Brothers beer being sold out where you're at? Does that ring a bell, Two Brothers? It doesn't, but then again, I mean, I've, I I kind of peripherally look at the beer sh- the regular beer shelves, but since I'm gluten-free, I don't pay all that much attention to it because, honestly, it just makes me mad yeah. that there's so many options for everyone else, and I've got like, oh, I can have this beer or this beer, well, which is basically the first beer just in a different bottle. I, I do have a recommendation for you. So if, if you do see something that says Two Brothers, see if it's okay. called Prairie Path, the, the actual mm-hmm. name of the beer, uh, because that is a gluten-free beer, my friend. Really? And so if it is not sold out there, then whenever uh, we're able to travel once again and make our way out where you are, uh, we shall bring some uh, for you. Uh, you know, bringing, bringing beer east of uh, Chicago, that's a bootlegging. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit, a little bit. Big and big and little Enos Burdett make that bet with every dumb gear jammer that comes through. That's right. That's right. I I want you know what I wanted that sheriff. I wanted that sheriff or or police officer, whoever it was, the guy who played the guy who was talking to the the trucker at the very beginning. I wanted him in every movie. <laughs> that would have been great. I don't know why, but that that guy just always cracked me up for yep. whatever reason. Oh, that's funny. Anywho, so the thing we have to get into here first, I believe, is something that you wanted to bring up. Well, uh, I, I, I just wanted to just for a moment here, if if we could, uh, over the course of the week, uh, Uncle Todd here has uh, decided to dive. If, if now, now here's where it's become appropriate to say yeah. to dive into, shall we say, the world of pool ownership, or as I call him now. Uh, pool tycoon so uh just a small segment here that we're going to throw in called uncle todd pool tycoon edition and just wanted to ask you how how was the experience building it getting it set up enjoying it taking care of it are you skimming it the way they skim the gluten out of the beer you know what i mean oh yeah i'm skimming i oh i'm doing everything that i i'm doing i've i've become what i hate the most (laughs) it's that do is, tell, do tell. What my life. So here's the deal that I never wanted a pool, man. I, I never wanted a pool because my growing up, my, my uncle had a pool, and I saw the battles that he went through with this pool, trying to keep it clear, trying to keep it clean, and, and just all the maintenance and the stuff that goes along with it. And, and even though he enjoyed the pool, I remember how much he also complained about the pool. And I just looked at that thinking, man... And for for the New England region, especially northern New England, it, there's not that big of a window where a pool is really useful. You know, you got to mm-hmm. have you got to have some little kids who are hardy enough in like er, late May, early June, 
around Memorial Day to jump in there and everyone else is looking at them like, my God, they're going to get hypothermia. <laughs> I thought you were going to say a window for where there's not like a pine tree to dump pine needles into the pool. Oh, well, that's a whole other thing. I mean, good <laughs> Lord, that's just... That's a whole other thing, but but so you only get you only get so much use out of the thing, and that was always the thing I never wanted to deal with, mm-hmm. and so I've always been lucky that I've managed to avoid this because through the, the through business connections and all that, I would always get passes to this water park that's literally minutes from my house, and they got a wave pool, so that was our pool, you know, because hey, I've got a season pass, go up there for an hour, half hour, eight hours, doesn't matter. You know, there and we didn't even pay for them, so it's fantastic. I always managed to avoid that. Well, this year, of course, this pandemic just had to go and mess up my pool, mm-hmm. so I can't go up to the water park anymore. So my wife informed me that we were getting a pool, and I tried to go every which way on this, <laughs> I was, and I couldn't get around it, man. I couldn't. And did and you so, did did you have a plan? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I did have a plan. I was gonna, I was gonna run and hide. That was my plan. <laughs> oh, Unfortunately, Lord. it just didn't work out that way. Uh-huh. So, so my wife bought this pool, and it's one of these deals where it's not inflatable, but it's it's kind of this weird. It's like a, it's not a, it's an above ground, but it's not one of the hard sided above ground pools. It's there's a ring at the top that you inflate. Okay, so there is a, some inflation. You inflate the top ring, and then you. And then the rest of it is just kind of sitting there, and you start to fill it. And as it fills, it pushes the sides out. That kind of pushes the top up. And then as it, after it gets about half full, the top just sort of floats mm-hmm. on top of the water until it fills all the way to the top. And then you shut it off when it's, when it's fully filled, and boom, you're done. The, the top ring floats on top of the water, and the, the water holds the sides out and all that. And, it, and you know, then you're done. So my, my wife bought this thing, and it's, it's supposed to be an easy setup and all that. So bought it, and she, she bought, like, she managed to get in early on this thing. So she bought it early in the pandemic and when she decided that we were getting a pool um, and after, after I'd just given up. And so she bought the thing, and it's all in one. It's got everything. It's got, like, you know, the pool, the cover, mm-hmm. the pump, the hoses, the ladder, the this, the that, and the other thing, and all that. And I was like, hey, does it happen to have, like, a pool person in there to come and clean it? Because that would be awesome. Apparently, we didn't get that package, so I was in charge. So we, we get this whole thing and bought it, and it was like $500, which to me, I'm like, that's a lot of money for something I'm going to spend a lot of time on. Yeah, yeah. Not so much because within like a week, it had gone from 500 to 750 to 800 to a thousand dollars. Wow. The exact same pool. Holy moly. Yeah, prices be rising. And so then, just out of curiosity. Wait a minute. So up- so so did you buy low? Yes, we bought low. Oh, see, and and you laughed at me for calling you a pool tycoon. There you go, Whoa. my friend. Nicely done. And so here's the thing. This has been sitting in the box in our garage for the past like month because it hasn't been warm enough to set it up yet. Well, I know. I, like spring I just started. Spring just started and summer's tomorrow. You know, so so we just set it up and I kept on looking. I'm like, man, we could triple our money on this. Like, no. <laughs> I, tr- I tried to buy low and sell high. I couldn't do it, though. I couldn't do it. Couldn't convince her to do it. Oh, boy. It's like, we could, we can triple our investment on this. It'd be great. And she's like, yeah, and they don't have a pool. I'm like, well, yeah, there are sacrifices. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, uh, that didn't work. Be, I mean, the fact that I'm alive means that we still have the pool. So setting this thing up, let me just give you guys some advice. Uh, hey, kids, c- come a little closer. Come a little closer. This come Uncle back Todd to, moment is brought to you by the pool tycoon known as Uncle Todd. 
So when, you, when you're going to put one of these up, don't post pictures of it being set up. Because then everybody in the in the comments are gonna are gonna give you their pool setup nightmare you know stories, and you're gonna then question everything about your life leading up to that moment. <laughs> it's just not good. Cause so I I I set this thing up, and the one thing is you got to find a level spot in your yard, which you know just is not a great thing in my yard. I found like one spot. I'm like, okay, this is about as level as it's going to get. And that was the other thing I told my wife. I'm not digging up the half the yard and sand and all that. I'm like, it's if it is going to set where it, it was someplace in our yard, I'm not dealing with it. I don't care. I just can't. So we 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 set it up. I'm like, all right, this is pretty good. It might be a you know, there's a little bit of, you know, whatever, but I'm like, it's not that big of a deal. So I'm filling the thing up. I posted a, a photo on Facebook and and Instagram, and all of a sudden the stories start rolling in. Oh yeah, we tried to level ours four times, three times, five times, all this. I gave up, blah blah blah. I'm like, and now so then I'm out there on my phone reading these, and then I'm looking at it. And I start getting down. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, all I needed was like surveying equipment. I'm looking at it like cross-eyed and <laughs> squinting, getting down the ground. I'm oh, like, well, that side is that side a little high? Is that side a little low? And, uh, I'm in a panic because oh, all I'm thinking is like, I'm gonna fill this thing up and it's gonna be lopsided, and then all of a sudden the entire thing is just gonna, and my car is gonna wash down the street, and it's gonna be, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be arrested for like causing a, a flood in my end of town. And it ends up, it, I, it was fine, but it was like a, it was like a day and a half of stress while it was filling. Like, oh, I, don't post on on any social media that you're doing. Just post the final result. The only okay? com- the only comment I sent you was just, here's what Todd's doing all summer. And it was a meme of Homer Simpson uh, laying in a float, dipping his foot in the pool. Well, and you know what? That was the most pleasant. <laughs> so, everything else after everything before that frightened me. <laughs> So, anyways, we got a pool, and uh, uh, and it is, and it is nice. I will, I will say, it is nice. nice. So that is that is my adventure as a pool tycoon. Well, I can't really say a tycoon because if I was a tycoon, I would have sold high. Well, I I don't know the fact you bought low and and didn't didn't have to overpay because now there's a run on these things because no one can go to the pool right now. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, the Czar of Char declares you the tycoon of pool. So there you are, my well, friend. The funny part, though, is if you look at, uh, if you go and you try and find this type of pool, I did just the other day, just for giggles, $1,500 and change. Holy moly. The exact same pool. Yeah. It's insane, dude. Yep. It's insane. Demand is oh. probably high, so they're they're taking advantage. I thought we had to get at least a hurricane or something to get the price gouging, but apparently not. That's just, <laughs> nope. start that right up. You can thank COVID for that. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks, COVID. <laughs> Hashtag thanks, COVID. Oh, All gosh. right. So we can't put this off anymore. We we are definitely treading water here. Let, not us, to... let us get to it. Yeah. So the uh, what we're going to be talking about uh, this evening, uh, aside from our wonderful witty banter so far, is we're talking about what is we, – we talked about the season – the series finale of Battlestar Galactica. And then after the series was wrapped, they actually added this two-hour movie – uh, called the plan, and what it really does is it kind of tells the first, like the mini series through season two, really end mm-hmm. of season two, mm-hmm. from the Cylon perspective. So it's a bunch of new footage. It's a bunch of then a bunch of old footage blended together, which I thought was was just brilliant. I I I thought that was such a great like storytelling device um, to to go back and tell that story from their perspective and and to to 
you know, see what was going on behind the scenes of certain key moments during the series, mm-hmm. uh, and to see who was involved and 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 who was you know uh, the the main players in, in making those those uh, moments happen. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I uh, you know, it was funny when when I had finished the series, you know, watching on DVD, meaning I saw everything, not the cheap sci-fi knockoff. Oh, um, we'll get to that in a minute. They all hate you. And then I watched the plan. It was just, it was, it, you know, it was right after, you know, binging the whole thing, and then to have that as be yet, you know, another another point of of consumption of of the series was just uh, was was really fun, and it, and it was it was interesting, especially having seen it all so recently. You know, like like to watch the plan like right after. Um, whereas I I think did it air like a year or so after the finale, or was it sooner than um. That? I have to you know, quick. I'm not sure. It was um, do 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 do. It premiered on uh, well, it was exclusively on DVD. So it was 2009, on, October yeah. of 2009 premiered, January 10th, 2010 on Sci-Fi. Yes, sir. And then 2010 for uh, April 2nd uh, for those in the UK. Yeah. So so probably about a year after it after the finale, I think. Good lord! And Canada had to wait for. <laughs> Till August six, two thousand eleven. What happened? I don't know. That's <laughs> they're not that. F- that I can. I, I don't get it. Anyways, <laughs> there's uh, a lot of things in this world I don't understand, and that's one of them. Yes, it is. Add it to the pile. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a really kind of interesting deal. It's not. It's almost like what I imagine what a legitimate encore would be. Now we all, if you've been to a concert, we all know the big charade that goes on at every single concert of any kind of note, where you know the band is finished and you they they didn't play the, like the big hit. Or they didn't play like one of their big songs, and you know that when they go out and they don't turn on the house lights completely, and you're they're just trying they're they're going back to like have a pee or take a drink or whatever I don't know, and and, and they're trying to goad you into this. Oh no, we want more. And sometimes it's sad because it is so half-hearted and half-assed mm-hmm. the crowd, mm-hmm. because there's some crowds that are just like we ain't doing it. You better come back out because we might leave, <laughs> which I always kind of appreciate in this very sick sort of way. Mm-hmm, but then mm-hmm. they then they come out and then they play the pre-planned encore. This is almost like what a legit encore would be, that they gave you their best and then the crowd legit wants more and they come back out like, all right, uh, let's play this song, you know, and just kind of give you a little bit of extra, you yeah, know, yeah. and it wasn't planned ahead of time. So to me, this was a nice legit encore where you had daybreak, you had the series was all tied up and this is a, it's a, it's a bonus. It's a mm. little bit extra that they, y- you didn't need. I mean, you really didn't need this, but man, it's nice to have and to, to like you say, see it from the other side. And it really does add a lot of extra con- uh, context and texture to those first couple seasons. And the focus was where it needed to be. Like, yes. there is not a lot of Adama. There's not a lot of Ty or Lee or really, you know, or, or I mean, there's a little bit of Starbuck, but it's not telling anything new. You know, it's, I it's, don't, it's, it's, I don't think there was any Rosalind, was there at there, all? There was no Rosalind. So it, it, it definitely had a different feel to it. And, and the focus was definitely in the right place because as we discussed a couple episodes ago, podcast episodes that is uh when we did daybreak that the, you know that series ended on about as good a note as a series can end on and there really wasn't much more that needed to be told about these characters so this really needed to be a story that was you know being told from a perspective of 
different characters who, you know, and we'll get into it in, in, in a few minutes here, but characters who really hadn't maybe had the spotlight on them as much, even though they were kind of involved in the story. Yeah. And I think that, I think it was a very nice way to flesh out some of those characters and, and also to give those actors who you, you know, I mean, like uh, the, 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 the actor who played Simon, I thought he was really good. And to, to yeah. be able to give him a little bit of extra time and to actually give like him a story arc instead of like, hey, and guess what? In this episode, Starbucks going to stab you in the neck. Awesome. <laughs> hey, and guess what? In this episode, someone else is going to stab you in the neck. Great. And in this episode, you're just going to stand in the background. Can't you just do that digitally and I'll stay home? Like, listen, I just don't want to commute. That's all. Um, <laughs> I, but it, it kind of it gave him a nice little arc. And I also yeah. liked how yeah. they brought back, you know, they brought back Gianna, who was a character that we saw in the miniseries, mm-hmm. and and actually brought her back. And, and I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, it was, it was a really nice, it's almost like a, it's, it is kind of like a DVD bonus in yeah. a way yeah. uh, to the entire series. Yeah, and as such, I think it's a great way. To, like Edward James, Edward James Olmos, who actually directed this, mm-hmm. uh, he he was uh, he was saying after people watch this, they're going to want to turn around and just go rewatch the entire series, and it does do that. Like, I can see like when you would like when this when this when the entire show had just gone through its first run, and then you get this. I can see people be, wanting to be like, oh crap, now I got to go back and watch everything again because I feel like I want to catch all of the stuff and, and catch it in context and think about that as the the first couple seasons are going through. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, 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 and it gives, like, like you said, it, it kind of gives some more texture and depth to what ended up happening with the original, you know, with, with what the Cylons originally wanted to do. Because as we remember from the first two seasons, the, the, the beginning part had this text about, you know, the Cylons were created by man, they rebelled, and so on and so forth, and they have a plan. And, you know, you never, like, at, at a very high level, we kind of understood what the plan was, which is to hunt down and destroy humanity, but we didn't really maybe understand the why behind it and and mm-hmm. also the why behind them backing off from hunting them down the way that they did. And and I think, uh, I, I think this episode, like you said, being kind of a... Um, how did you put it? Like at a concert, a um, it's an encore. It's it, it's it's an encore. As, as being kind of an encore, I wouldn't even call it a prologue because it, it runs parallel to what's going on in the series. So it, it it just it's almost like kind of like, if I may use Legos as the example, uh, it's like a- adding a Lego piece to uh, another Lego piece. You know, it kind of adds some depth to it and mm-hmm. and 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 provides some some texture and coloring for events that you had seen already. So. Um, yeah, so so I, I really f- and I think that fuels or, or you know further backs what what Edward James almost said, which is if you go back and watch again, it kind of gives you a better appreciation for, um, you know for for what was going on in those first two seasons to now know what was happening kind of behind the scenes. So, yeah. Now the funny part of this is, according to IMDb.com's trivia section. That despite the title of this movie, in 2017, Ron Moore stated that the Cylons did not actually have a plan. The phrase, which appeared in the opening credits prologue of the series, was simply added to create interest. Really? So, I mean, I, again, and I do, f- there, this show, Ron Moore has actually kind of talked about how they took advantage of things. And, they, and in, I think at one, in one 
one interview or one article I read, they really didn't plan any more than 10 episodes ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they were, they were constantly kind of discovering things, which kind of fits in with this, that you go through and you're like, oh, this is a great way to kind of connect these dots. And I, I do get the feeling that the, that the plan that they kind of wove together, really, it, could, it wasn't thought out because it really did play off of events that happened in like the third and fourth season with a final five and all of that to go back and retrofit of like Cavill's reasoning and, and his motivation for setting this whole thing in motion, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that was, I, I like it for that. I like the fact that it, you know, it's, it's, you kind of get to the end and then you're like, Oh, Hey, this is how it's, how the beginning, you know, get, it, it actually plays into the, you know, this has all happened before. It'll all happen again. Yeah. Sort of circularity to, of, of the show and the, the some of the ideas. So I, I appreciated that fact that it's almost like, yeah, that was kind of BS. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. didn't. We not only did the Cylons not have a plan, we didn't really have a plan either. <laughs> <laughs> and and how many podcast episodes were we like raving about? Oh, the brighters and the plan they must have had. Well, there we go. Well, no, I mean, I, I think I. I, we, I we always kind of walk that line of like saying like they took advantage of this they did this and yeah, we yeah. you know they they were th- I mean they were planning out a certain degree but the execution you know, of it was still there so oh totally whether whether they fully intended to do it or not from the beginning is another story so <laughs> you you well, okay over there Jeez. <laughs> I'm sorry I just got I had to put a little more ice in my beverage all right oh, all right well I didn't know yeah. if uh, you know you had like an ice machine next to you there and you're just kind of dispensing or whatever I'm I'm you know I'm actually considering it once <laughs> you once the money starts flowing in from your your uh, czar of char uh, merchandise line okay and I get and I get my cut off of that for for coming up with the IP yeah I'm I'm yeah, I'm gonna get an ice maker down what was here. the first it's, thing you bought with your millions from the czar of char trademark I got myself an ice machine. <laughs> hey, you know what? <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. If you if you're if you're aiming low, chances are you're always going to hit that mark. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, oh and that's, my gosh! That's why this podcast is so profitable. Absolutely, Anyways. absolutely. So, with that context. We are gonna we're gonna kind of run this down the way we've done with uh, with other seasons and specifically the way we do with Razor because of course we don't have top episodes to pick here because hey it's a movie so we have our top moments from the or, or what we feel are the most important moments from the movie then uh, we who we feel are the top or most important characters and then just kind of an overall like how does this fit in do you really feel you know the whole thing was woven together and we've discussed a little bit of that but I think once we go through the entire thing we can kind of tie up like how this really it i mean the series was tied up as it was sure sure does this further if anything put a nice little bow on it or not i think we can we can safely make a a presumption of a presumption assumption my vocabulary is failing me now we'll figure out what we think at the end how about that uh sure all right so uh sir what was one of your top moments uh, are, are we going in any particular order? Like start with the, th- you know, third working up to the first or just... I'm probably going to go in, in chronological order myself. So mine are going to go three, two, one. I'll, I'll let you decide chronological how you want to do yours. Order. Okay, well, uh, actually, I'm not even sure how they go in chronological order. Well, so... so let, let Yours would be uh, one, three, and two or one... Actually, no, actually, they, they would go in the order I have them now that you said that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, so so let me start out by by just saying this that I I when we when we talked about how this this movie kind of gives focus to some different characters, I I always felt like the characters of Simon uh, mm-hmm. Doral, and, and to a lesser extent, you know, because Cavill has always been the ringleader of, of what has gone on. You know, he, he's always been the mastermind. Uh, he is the one who uh, seems a, a, as if he drove a lot of the dissension division and, and you know, and as we find out in this movie, drove quite a bit of the angst and animus that, that the Cylons had toward toward humanity, that he has a very... Uh, arrogant and, and, a, and a very um, twisted view of humanity in terms of mm. their needing to pay for their sins and their needing to be justice in the universe for how they had treated the Cylons. And so th- this this movie puts a lot of focus on both Cavill and Simon, um, I feel, and, and to a lesser extent, Doral. And, and I think that's really good because those characters I never really felt had their due during the series. You know, like they were there... They were role players, but whenever, like, like you joked about this, but whenever Simon was on screen, he was usually getting killed off in, in a matter of moments, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. And and so he was always just this bit player who you never really got to understand, and this movie gives him a lot of depth. Uh, we end up finding out he married uh, Gianna, um, who, like you said, is from the miniseries, um, and, and, you know, the, he basically has a family with her, not not having the child, but just, you know, being a father to her daughter. Mm-hmm. And throughout the, the, the movie, um, you have Cavill, who is putting a lot of pressure on him uh, to carry out what needs to be done in terms of blowing up one of the ships in the fleet to further facilitate them taking down humanity. Mm-hmm. And he ha- and, and, and this is a theme that kind of echoes throughout the movie, is that one of the things that really threw a wrench that, that Cavill underestimated and really threw a wrench in the plan that the Cylons had to wipe out humanity was for those Cylons who had to integrate themselves into the civilization, into the 12 colonies, he underestimated how love would impact uh, them long-term and, yeah. and, and how love and, and the connection they formed with the humans they were with, how that would end up being the thing that, that ultimately really, you know, threw the plan off course because you had a number of, of them who were unable to carry out what they needed to do because of that connection. And so my yeah. my first moment is uh, so so throughout Simon is being prodded by Cavill to carry out his mission, um, and Cavill uh, and when I say Cavill I mean the Cavill who is with the fleet. There, there's two Cavils. There's Cavill with yeah. the fleet, and there's there's also was called Caprica Cavill, or as I would like to call him during this episode, Gumshoe Cavill, because he oh, has geez. the old Gumshoe uh, detective hat on throughout most of it. Yeah, he's got he's got himself a very nice fedora. Yeah, rolling. I mean, leaning a little towards the Indiana Jones side of things, but I, I think Gumshoe is just funny. So you know, anyways. Uh, so so we have Fleet Cavill, or we have Galactica Cavill yes. and Gumshoe Cavill. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. All right. All right. So uh, so you have Fleet Cavill uh, prodding Simon to to do his job, and so you see uh, him setting some mechanism up, which as you're watching this for the first time, presuming it to be him setting up a bomb. And as he's doing it, he's thinking back, flashing back to memories of uh, passionate moments, shall we say, with his wife and and just just, you know, kind of that show of love, you know, that 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 there is a a deep connection he has formed with Gianna. And 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 even what was interesting was even after their moment, shall we say, of love, um, 
I found it interesting that in that memory he says sorry to her, like I'm sorry. You know, like it's almost yeah. like he's apologizing for whatever pain his 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 kind has caused her. Or he, I mean, at least that's the way I read it. That's the only thing I could think of as to why he would say that. Um, well, I think it's I think it, it actually is set in the chronology. So that's taking place after. Okay, well, here's a good. Let's let's go into this. So, did you in your sci-fi? Because you watched this on the sci-fi app. I actually have the DVD. And as we figured out over mm, daybreak, beer. that there was some editing going on mm-hmm. between the sci-fi app version and what I the not only the air version, uh, but the DVD version. Yes. So, did you have the scene in there where uh, Gianna comes back? from work on Galactica and the kid is sleeping and Simon's there and Simon starts freaking out and about how, you know, she's, she's not home and this and that and the other. And he's like, Hey, okay, we should be living. Hey, let's dance, dance with me. And he's like acting all crazy. Did you see that scene in there? Nope. All right. You know what? <laughs> sci-fi. Thanks for giving us the show, but thanks for nothing for the way that you're <laughs> editing this thing. So the, the, the please, DVD, please, please fill in what I have missed. The DVD that that I watched, a hundred uh, is a an hour and fifty two minutes. The 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 version that's on Sci Fi app is like what uh, an hour and twenty six, twenty six. So they managed to lop out almost thirty minutes out of this sacrilege. Of this, I mean, <laughs> they all hate you. That's a lot to cut out. That, that is a lot to cut out. Yeah. You know. Yep. Uh, for something that honestly already is is fairly lean. I mean, it's not it's not a bloated movie. They're the it ones moves. that aired it for the first time for crying out loud. Why would they do this? Well, part of it is, I mean, it's not the same executives. It's not the same people in charge as it was that those uh, you know ten years ago. But still, yeah. it's lame. It is lame in a mm-hmm. in a day when you can get terabytes worth of like web storage mm-hmm. for pennies to be quibbling about you know twenty minutes of 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 footage is is stupid absolutely stupid and it's a detriment to a great show you know like oh maybe you can take down a couple of episodes of i don't know babylon 5 or whatever other you have you have on your servers and and you know actually do the right thing and and do the show justice anywho so basically gianna comes back and she is working as a knuckle dragger on galactica Mm -hmm. And this is after Simon has talked with Cavill and he's trying to decide what to do and all that. So he's acting weird because he's just like he he's he's he knows that of you know what's going on and he's stressed out and all that. So then he ends up like freaking her out. So then when when they're having their their moment, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and I, like I have no idea said the moment. <laughs> I, I was trying to add a little French in there, you know, the language of love, but I'm, I'm not that talented. So, moment, um, is that what you get? Like, oh. bad French Canadian is there. all I can do. Era. That's all I got. So, after they have their moment, that when he's saying, you know, I'm really sorry, I think what he's, what she, he's apologizing to her for is what just happened with the fight and all that and for being uh, the weird freak and out. all that. The freak out. So he's okay. on on a on a surface level, that's what he's apologizing for. D- deeper see. than that, he is apologizing for what, you know, he's gonna have to do. Right. And of right. course, like you say, the the way it's inter intercut, you're thinking, oh my God, he he is going to blow up the ship. Right. Right. And that isn't the case, of course, and he airlocks himself. So th- without that other scene though, yeah. you don't get right. that. And right. that is why it is so stupid. Stupid the way they edit it. So yeah, so so for 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 my 
first scene in chronological order, it was, yeah, Simon essentially airlocking himself. So you see him basically fly out into space, and then there's this very kind of creepy shot of him, you know, just in, in that state. As much as we saw Callie uh, back in season four when, when she was airlocked by Tori. Um, yeah. And, and it's just that, that kind of frozen over state that they're in was, uh, you know, it was, was it, 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 it was – how do I put it? It, it was an interesting moment because it was probably the first time for me watching the show that I had any sense of, I don't mean to say caring about the character, but, but it, it did the character service to put it in, to put Simon in that position. Because up until that point, much like we talked about in Daybreak, he was a very cold, calculating, math, number, science sort of character, you know? and Well, and you didn't really, you didn't find out much about him because right. aside from daybreak and a couple moments here and there really the only time you saw him with any kind of a storyline was in the episode of what was it season one or uh, two yeah yeah. with the farm which was the starbuck you know in the hospital episode yep and that was it right so you didn't know that much about him so he was really one-dimensional like this actually fleshed out the character and and further along the story of like these these different models even though they they are kind of yeah you know they share things across a model like individuals were getting more individual yep to, if you want to put it that way well and, and that's going to lead to a question i want to ask you once we get through our moments because it, it, hey, it was kind of interesting a question question a question must must like a moment it is a question mm. so that was my first moment what is uh one of your top three well so i thought the scene at the beginning with uh with cavill and ellen at the uh at the uh, strip, well, it's a strip club. How else are you going to say it is a strip club? Uh, that I thought was was great. In that, I mean, of course, you get Ellen being like <laughs> Ellen cranked to eleven. Just Ellen like, being Ellen. Ellen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, just just kneeling on a stool, leaning all the way across the bar, and eating olives, and just being very. I, I mean, whatever is whatever is the next step beyond flirty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's where Ellen lives. That's she has a she has a condo there. I think the exact line was, "I like how I look as I'm bent over eating an olive or something crazy." Like it was just like this weird well, comedy line of. <laughs> well, no, it was good because Cavill had said, "You know, you really like those olives." She's like I like the way I look eating getting the olives. Yes, eating the olives. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> And I was like, that's such an Ellen thing. Oh my gosh, so great. And and yep. and um and the actress, oh my gosh, Kate, um, I forget her name, uh, was fantastic. Uh, just again, in, yep. in Kate Vernon was uh fantastic just in that moment. I thought it was great. But I also like how it, it very quickly turned and all of a sudden it really started getting into this moment where Cavill was not, you know, expecting the things to go that way because yeah. you know she's talking about you ought to learn and she's like well i haven't learned anything mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. ellen of course being very flip and i was just like man that is that is a, a you know it, it, you could kind of see the wheels start to turn where he initially was like yeah i just want him to all die and then come back and, and this and then you start to see like no this is the beginning of when he's like no i've you need to you need to pu- be punished. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you really. I want you to learn, and I want you to learn in the most painful way. Yeah. So I thought that was a very uh, important scene to to uh, to Cavill's character. It was also, I mean, again, Ellen being Ellen is always just interesting because you literally have no idea what that character is going to do in 
any given situation. Right. You know, right. she if she had been talking, then all of a sudden pulled out a gun and blew Cavill away, I wouldn't have. I would have been shocked. But then in the in the long run, I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally. That's on the table with Ellen. <laughs> you just don't know. Par for the you course. Have, par for the course. You have no idea what could happen. So I thought that was a great scene because it, it really does. It ends adds another layer to what Cavill's underlying motivation is, and then ties in, of course, to after. You know, after everything goes down and they're in the rubble and all this, and 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 she's like, "Am I going to die?" And he's like, "Not when you, ha- not now, not when you have so much to learn." Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and that really was the seeds of that turn to cruelty. Were that com- was that conversation when she was really kind of, she was really going in a direction that he was not planning, and he was kind of caught off guard. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and yeah. he had been so much in control of the conversation. Then all of a sudden, he's like, "Ah, uh, uh, wait a minute, this isn't going the way that I imagined." It's like when you have a, when you're when you're gonna have a, a you you imagine how a fight or a conversation is gonna go in your head, mm. and then somebody says something that they're not supposed to say. Like, I didn't think you were gonna say that. You can't say that. It's supposed to go like this. Right, right. And he was having one of those moments where he's like, uh, "Oh crap." So I thought that was a I thought that was a great moment just overall between Stockwell and and Vernon and just a great moment with two actors but it was also very integral to him as a character into the storyline. Yeah. I I 100% agree. So what do you got next? Uh my next one also involves Cavill this time Gumshoe Cavill, Caprica Cavill. Ah uh, yes. Uh but it was it it stood out to me as as a very interesting conversation that he has with Anders and this is kind of toward the end at least toward the end of the sci-fi version. Um, uh, it is towards the end of the the real version as well. Oh, good. Um, didn't know if I was gypped out of more beyond that. Uh, oh, you were. You were just oh, not that. Yeah, great. Probably a pyramid match or two. But anyways, um, but you know, Cavill sitting uh, uh, by this this fire with Anders talking about, uh, you know, Anders telling him about how he was kind of thrust into this leadership role, how how he didn't ask for this, but. Um, but but the the overall tone and tenor of, of the conversation is uh, gumshoe Cavill kinds basically it, it, I mean ironically in some ways it's almost the opposite of the of what you just talked about with Ellen where he's having this conversation with Anders and he comes to the conclusion he's like wait a minute he's like you've grown through this experience you know and and, and not so much about the learning piece but but just in this case this version of Cavill seems taken aback in a positive way by the fact that Anders admits that even though the, this, this, uh, you know, this horrific event has happened and he's essentially now kind of the leader of this guerrilla squad that it's, it's caused him to realize some things and, and he's grown as a person through it. Um, and, and so he, he makes that, that, that leap in that conclusion or draws that conclusion. And then he goes a step further <laughs> Yes. And that step, which which you're just kind of like, you know, there's times when you got like a wound, you know, on, on your arm or your leg and you're just kind of like, maybe I shouldn't pick that scab. Well, Gumshoe goes and picks it. And boy, when he picks it, he picks it good. Oh, yeah. And he says to Anders, well, given this growth, or, or I mean, he doesn't say it exactly this way, but what, what his character essentially does is reacting to the fact that Andrews has grown, decides to propose to him and say, well, does that then mean that you could forgive the Cylons? And right there, Andrews looks at him like, I'm going to pretend you didn't just say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like all of a sudden, that that just triggers Andrews, and he is, and, and, and Cavill tries to explain, and it's really funny because he, he goes into, he's like, well, you guys were, you, you know, you need to be taught a lesson. You had all the sin, and, 
you know, it, but but Anders is just not having it, and he just tells him to stop, and he's like, "I'm going to pretend you didn't just say that," and and he, yeah, and he walks away. Uh, it was just kind of interesting because it was just one of those moments where he comes to understand. You know, it seems like a turning point for him, similar to what you were saying. You know, with with I think he ends up being Fleet Cavill uh, in in the in the bar with Ellen. He just kind of comes to this realization that that they have learned some things, that they're growing through it, and that maybe he underestimated, you know, hu- humanity in, in terms of what they're capable of, you know, g- given what they what he what the Cylons have put them through. So I, I just found that to be a really uh, j- just just a really interesting conversation between the two of them, and, and I really liked the way it it just kind of wove. It, it was this interesting back and forth with Anders being very open. Cavill hearing him, Cavill coming to that conclusion, but then Cavill going to a place way too soon. You know, it, it just it, oh, it, it yeah. just wasn't time. Now, of course, late we know later in the series they get to that place, but uh, and I mean even even then, you know, like we talked about in in the first half of season four, it's not like they come to this place of of I don't know if they ever come to a place of of forgiveness, but they come to a place of understanding. And yeah. and it, it's a very difficult road to get to that place, given everything else that has that has happened. So uh, so I, that, that just that, that moment stood out to me as just just a, a very telling point for 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 that character, because, you know, as I said at the beginning, a lot of this really orbits around Simon and Cavill, more Cavill than anything else, um, as as we see two versions of him navigate humanity and in, in, in how the humans are reacting and behaving around this this whole situation and so uh so yeah so so that's that's my second top three moment nice yeah i thought that was a, i thought that was really great and again it's you know you have to look at it not just in terms of cavill talking to anders as a per as a personal human like this is this is father sam this is one of the final five and, yeah. and that cavill yeah. knows that yeah so he's seeking some sort of approval as well even though he's he he is kind of, you know, he's he starts diverging from, you know, the same mindset of the other Cavill, the Fleet Cavill, of trying to, you know, carry out the plan of trying to rid the universe of humans, and he starts diverging. Like the fact that they've been sitting around for like two months, and the Simon that is with the with the the rebels on Caprica is like, so is this your plan, just to sit around and you know and wait? I mean, you're helping a, a rebel cell. You were actually assisting them. Yes. Like, what's the plan here? I thought we were taking him out, and and that and and uh, Gumshoe Cavill is saying, "Well, I promised that I would I would hear his confession." Yes. And you know we take that very seriously. It's like, really? <laughs> so just that divergence starts pretty early, and it just starts widening and widening. And even though there's there's moments where he'll come back to you know kind of a similar mindset but it just goes back out and it never quite gets back to where fleet cavill is Mm -hmm. and that moment when he kind of sees this and he's like well maybe maybe we can get forgiveness maybe we can work our way back maybe we can instead of having to teach maybe the the final five have learned their lesson maybe they can be Mm -hmm. come around to where we are and we can come to an understanding and those sort of things and just then to get rejected that quickly out of hand oh my gosh yeah Yeah, that and it, and in a way, it kind of reflects how Starbuck will react to Sam when Sam starts mentioning about being a Cylon or something like that. When he finds out that he's a Cylon, 
and then goes is trying to feel out how Starbuck feels about this and talks about you know she's but like I'd put a bullet in your head if I found yeah. it in your salon, which you know a little rough. They all hate you. But every couple has their problems, really. I mean, don't they? Yeah. Don't they? Yeah. I mean, one you know one is a you know one's a Pisces, one's a you know uh, an ancient robot that is perpetrated that has been accomplice to a genocide. I mean, everybody has those things. You know, yeah, it's just just the way it is. Absolutely. What? Actually, I don't think uh, I don't think Kara was a Pisces. But anyways, going on, going off even further. What's your number two? Uh, my number two, uh, and this one was easy for me because again, I it was just what I wanted to see, and it was it, they did it so well. The attack on the silent attack on the colonies, which was crazy good, mm-hmm. crazy good. Uh, just that whole idea of like the bay ships. Uh, especially with the colony with that big giant, like the big giant red eye light. And as it's sweeping across the base ships, that's when they're, they're jumping. Like it's the light that is making them jump. Yeah. That was awesome. I love that. Mm-hmm. And then all of the, all of the base ships swiveling into, into attack positions. So they go from like the kind of offset kind of triangles to like an arrow. Mm-hmm. And that's like the, the big attack position. I thought that was a, a great visual, um, and even then, just the way that they would scan across like an entire battle star, and then that battle star just dies, mm. you know, just, just goes dead and dead in space. And of course, then of then we saw at the Scorpia shipyards, as they're cruising across and everything's blowing all to hell, which battle star was there? That would have been the Pegasus. Mm-hmm. That you cruise by, and they're very obvious. Like, hey, look at the nameplate on this one. Mm-hmm. It's like, ah, this is a nice touch. I like that. And then, of course, you have the hybrid. You know, the the courthouses of Libra are burning. Oh, all this. that that part was awesome. Yeah. And did you know? Actually, here's here's something that I actually didn't notice before. I don't remember if I noticed it, but the intro was read by all of the Cylons and the hybrid. The hybrid got a line in there. Ah. Ah, I, I did notice Which, who was reading it, but I, I you know, okay, that makes sense because there was a voice that came on that I was like, I'm not quite sure who that is, but it sounds familiar. Yeah, and it's it's great because I mean the hybrid was really a thankless sort of thing. Like you, that that woman just that actress was really just talking nonsense yeah. and yeah. just staring off into space, and probably to this day is like all pruny from spending that much time in that hot tub <laughs> over like four years. <laughs> Like her fingers have still not quite gotten back to their normal state, you I, know. I I, I kind of like through that dialogue how uh, how she brings out some of the you know different characteristics of some of the other twelve colonies we never really heard about. Yes, you know, like like yeah. like one of them that stood out to me was the beaches of Canceron. You know, mm, um, yeah. There was another one about Pycon. There was another one about um. Well, I I think the one you said the the courthouses of of Libron, you know. Yeah, um, we we knew there was you know twelve rep- there was the um, oh gosh what do they call it the something of twelve quorum thank you the quorum of twelve uh, which we knew represented the twelve colonies but we never and again there was no reason to you know dive into any detail about them but yeah but but we didn't really hear much about them and so it was just kind of an interesting nod to uh to to kind of bring out that detail you know one of them it was like the forests of so and so you know and. Um, mm. So it just kind of made you see or, or helped you understand that all of the, you know, these 12 planets all seem to have very, you know, just kind of characteristics that, that we kind of take for granted here on one planet. You know, like like we can go from from, from here to, to Africa and know that in Africa there's a lot more desert than there would be, 
you know, uh, here in, in, in the United States. You know, we certainly have a part of the area that has desert, but we have other, you know, th- this country is kind of an amalgam of different temperate zones and so forth. And it was interesting to see that the 12 colonies all kind of had very distinct, you know, attributes uh, of them, um, all, 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 all through a dialogue of how they're annihilating them. So, <laughs> yeah. So it really was a geography lesson by Holocaust, which is, I mean, not it's really the way that you want to do it. Just strange. But it was, it was really, like, it was the sci-fi thing that you kind of always wished had been in there, and I'm, I'm actually kind of glad they saved it for something like this, because yeah. it would have been distracting, but it really, it just seeing that intercut with the different, you know, these scenes of destruction intercut with the Cylons, you know, and this kind of, like, nervous joy, like, hey, we pulled it off sort right, of thing, right. was, it was just very, um, I don't know, it was, it was very uncomfortable, which is definitely the way that, you know, the way that you want to feel about that really yeah so that was my number two very good and so what do you have for your third one here sir uh my last one is uh the interaction that cavill has with i I just call him the boy i think he has a name john john um which is the same as cavill uh uh-huh uh-huh uh, he, he kind of appear, you know, again, I don't know if I'm missing some key scenes because of sci-fi being sci-fi, but more than likely, you know, for, from what I saw, he, he pops into Cavill's, um, not his quarters, but, but the kind of, uh, what, what would you call it? The church area, chapel. The, the chapel, thank you, that he maintains. And, uh, you know, and, and we come to understand he has this chapel for a fair amount of time, um, because he's really, mm. they're orchestrating a number of, of, of different plans to, uh, try to bring down Galactica. You know, we find out how Boomer uh, ends up getting triggered. You know, to do oh yeah the now actually when you when you saw the little elephant and the talisman sort of thing yes especially this time around were you thinking of Bernard's little clicky click switch yes. in Westworld yes yes all right I'm glad I'm not the only one no nope. no I I thought the same thing you know so but this boy had had just throughout the the movie been popping into the chapel and um and and. You kind of got the sense that Cavill was starting to connect with him, and and again, this was the theme that ran throughout the movie: is that the the Cylons' abject failure came from the fact that the very the very soldiers who were put on the ground to carry out the the genocide ended up being the ones who connected very closely to humanity and were the ones who essentially brought about the the truce or or the shift from annihilating them to seeing if they could coexist with them. And mm-hmm. Cavill was starting to go down that path, or at least you thought he was starting to go down that path with this boy. Yeah. And the scene I'm talking about in particular, which I, which you, you know what I'm talking about, is uh, is toward the, again, if sci-fi is being true here, is toward the end of, of, of the movie, where uh, he comes in, the boy comes in with, with, a, with an apple, and he offers it to Cavill, and Cavill takes it, and he has a knife, and he cuts a piece of the apple off, and gives I, I forget if he eats the apple or if he gives it to the boy, but um, well, he gives he gives half of it to the boy. Gives half of it to the boy, and so they're sitting there eating, and so you're thinking, oh, okay, so here is where he maybe comes to an understanding of humanity. And I forget my memory's awful, so I, I I forget what he says to the boy or if the boy says something to him. But it ends with him taking the knife that he cut the apple with, and then stabbing the boy and killing. Yeah. Him. Um, and then what made it even worse after that is the boy slumps over and then Cavill just shoves him off, off of the yeah. bed. It's just like, oh. come on. Jeez. Yeah, that was rough. Oh, that was rough. That was, that, now, that was, but, but, but it, it, it emphasized the, you know, 
this is where you see the difference between Fleet Cavill and Gumshoe Cavill. Because yes. Fleet Cavill is not allowing himself in any way, shape, or form to feel connected to humanity. He, he, he looks at humanity as this repugnant thing that needs to be dispensed with and, and eliminated. In fact, I think in the early part of the movie, he calls, it, calls them cockroaches that need to be <laughs> yes. wiped out. So, yep. so his actions don't betray his character, but you, you just got the sense throughout the movie that he was coming around to relating to this kid. Um, yeah, because I mean, before that, he he'd seen the kid a bunch of times. He'd seen him before, and he kicked him out the first time with like no ceremony. And then he he saw him again, and he asked him, you know, are you a war orphan? And and tells him where he can go because his parents don't want him. And then finally, he's eating, and he lets the kid have the rest of his dinner. Right. Right. And you start thinking like maybe he maybe he is. He's getting in touch with his humanity. And then of course, this is like the ultimate like. Almost like he's been luring him into his web, yeah. sort of thing, yeah. and that's, you know, and then you realize he's almost either he's been, he just he made his decision or he was toying with the kid, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, depending on how cruel you want to make that make Fleet Cavill, right? And and you also don't know if part of it is because of the failure of the other Cylons, because at that point, I think that's after when he has that moment with with the boy I, I think that's after he has that drunken conversation with the six oh, where yeah who's who's known as tough six which <laughs> really which I, yeah that's so here's here's one of the things uh where is it where is it so deanna beers was originally written as being one of the cylons working with cavill aboard galactica however lucy lawless was lucy lawless i'm not going to get that wrong because she will kick my butt was not available for the scheduled filming dates leading to deanna's role in the script being replaced by another six who is referred to in the script as tough six <laughs> Which is awesome, and I, I actually am I'm as much as I would have liked to have had Lucy Lawless in in the show, mm-hmm. I I do appreciate the fact that it sh- it really shows kind of the range of Trisha Helfer, mm-hmm. you know, because you have, you know, the Caprica Six, you know, the traditionally kind of seductive uh, Six, and then you also then you have kind of the the smart Six, mm-hmm. who is the one who is the professor's assistant who tries to frame Baltar right, uh, right. in like season one or something. Yep, and and I love how then they show the little background with with uh, when. Uh, Cavill's doing his little interviews with all the different Cylons who he's going to send out to try and yep. be the fleet killing machine, as he says. And uh, and he says, oh, very smart. Or maybe it's the glasses. <laughs> That's right. Oh, <laughs> man. And just that little bitty look that 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 Six and Trisha Helfer pulls off. I'm like, oh, oh man. Yeah. Oh, if you weren't in charge. So, uh, but yeah, I, I did appreciate the, the idea of like having this other Six because mm-hmm. we'd seen... You know, Caprica, we've seen Smart Six, and then we saw uh, Gina. Yep. And we saw Gina in a couple of different incarnations. And then um, and then to be able to see this other this other Six and, like, just kind of a little bit over the top, even for Six. Yeah. <laughs> which was actually really, really kind of funny. Yeah. You know, especially when she's, like, standing on the bed and is like, you know, and then Doro did this, and he exploded himself and, and it caused minor damage to a minor hallway and a minor part of the ship. <laughs> oh, it was like, you know what? We got some competition for Ellen just, like, twisting the knife because this Six yeah. right here, oh, man. Oh, so great! It's yeah. so great. Well, and anyways, and and you know, to I mean, just to to continue on that point, um, mm. what what stood out to me in that scene when she was doing that was just 
Cavill is drunk. She's drunk. I mean, it, it, yeah. it was just very representative of the fact that that everything they were striving to do to to do the complete annihilation of humanity had just utterly failed at that point. Yeah, and and then, and, and, then and this preceded the kid coming to him, where finally, you know, you're thinking, is is he turning a corner? And it just he ends up doing, you know, really what was the unthinkable to a kid of all of all people. Yeah, and I and that was that's where we get the great exchange between uh, between Tough Six and Cavill, where she says, "You can't declare war on love," right. and immediately he says, "We already did." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the idea that they would do this to the final five is, it, you know, it, they already are declaring war on love. Yep. And I, I love that because, again, it just emphasizes this Cavill has gotten to the point where he just he is. He just wants to let it all burn. Mm-hmm. He just wants it all to burn at this point. He doesn't care. Yep. Like this is really like before that he's like, hey, we're going to get rid of the humans and everything we find. Now it's like, you know what? I just want everything to go away. <laughs> right. Like he is he's hit that nihilistic peak yep. and that's where he's at yeah oh yeah it's great great and uh, so then going back to the kid i mean that's uh, so that ties into that goes into a little bit of uh, background so director uh, this again this is from and that previous point about the deanna beers thing that's from imdb's trivia as well and this is uh this is from the trivia section as well director uh, director edward james almost stated in the dvd commentary which i wanted to listen to and i just ran out of time today uh that he made several homages to the boy with green hair which is a movie from 1948 which starred a then 12 year old dean stockwell stockwell portrayed peter fry a war orphan whose hair inexplicably turned green when he discovered that his parents had been killed during the second world war Hmm. one example was when cavill asked the boy asked the boy john are you a war orphan Orphan. This question was asked of Peter Fry several times in that movie. Almost uh, also used a still shot uh, photo of Peter Fry from the movie when casting for the character of John the Boy, because he wanted the actor to bear a strong resemblance to how Stockwell looked in his adolescence. Hmm. Uh, Alex Ferris, uh, who's who played John, uh, his resemblance to Stockwell's picture helped get him cast. At one point, almost wanted John the Boy's hair color to be green like Peter Fry's character, but was ultimately overruled by the producers. Hmm. Oh, I that that would have been kind of cool, but yeah, it it also would have been wacky. But you know what? I can definitely see uh, see Eddie almost pulling for that. Yeah, and yeah. and damn it, if I'd been in the room with him, if I'd been one of those executives, I'm like, yes, sir, <laughs> you do whatever you want. Because <laughs> it'd be easy for me to say no here, but like in a room with Edward James, almost like that that cat is intense. Yeah, yeah. I would probably not be turning him down for anything. Yep. Be like, sure. Oh yeah, it sounds like a great idea. Yep. Oh god, this is crazy. Oh yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, Eddie, great idea, great idea. Oh, this is gonna be so bad. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> just don't, just don't get mad and like give me the, don't give me the Adama look, because then I would just like be a puddle on the floor. Just don't roll the hard six, please. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> roll hard six. He's gonna roll you hard six. Oh man. So, anyways, yeah, that was a that was yeah that, that whole interaction was oh it's horrible. That was an was, int- it, intense moment. Yeah, intense moment. Yeah, and your final moment, sir. Well, my final moment is is really uh, basically the 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 final scene with the Cavils, uh, and, and this is kind of overall like almost going from the the brig, the walk down the hallway where you see they stop in the hallway and Ty makes his point of like, hey, check the hall, check the hall, which in one way is a total setup just so you can get the final five in the hallway with the Cavils. Mm-hmm. But it also makes sense in the story because how many times have we seen people get like 
taken out in a hallway in Galactica, which is probably, you know, like aside from like walking down a street in Beirut at like 1 a.m., one of the more dangerous places apparently you can be in the universe is a hallway in Galactica. You just might get plugged wait, or wait, shanked. Wait, so there was a hallway where all the fi- the final five were? Yeah. Yeah. Guess what didn't make the sci-fi? Are you sacrilege? Uh, Sci-fi. I'm coming for all of you. God, how do you cut that out, man? Oh, that's anyways. That's incredible. So yeah, but but anyways, so that that's a very very interesting touch to the whole thing. Yeah, so they've got the final five in the hallway there, and the Cavils are are kind of they're waiting because uh, Ty has stopped the whole procession, and so all fa- final five are there present, and one of the Cavils turns to the other. I can't remember wh- which one says which, but you know, not how I imagined it. Mm-hmm. You know, like not how I imagined this was going to happen, and then the whole thing of them going back and forth of what they've learned and this and that and the other, and and you and and you know, I'm going to have you boxed when we get back and all this and and just that you. Can kind of just see like the dichotomy of those two characters one one of them has separated himself from who he was he has learned right and cavill can't tolerate that because cavill actually doesn't want them to learn like he starts out like he wants them to learn but he wants them to learn what he wants them to learn right he doesn't actually want them to change in the way that would benefit them or that would be natural for them he wants them to change in a very specific direction and if they don't do that then everything is wrong Mm -hmm. you know it's a very it's a very like binary zero or one thing for him yes you know and and he has gotten to that point whereas the other one is like i i understand why this didn't work i understand and and it really does come back to this idea of love and you know as much as we talked about the entire series uh going back with mark menard and saying this is a show where everybody has a secret it's also a show about love. There's there are love stories woven into this show throughout, and it really did kind of come back to how those some of those love stories tied up, like Rosalind and Adama, uh, Caprica and Gaius. Um, you know how how Tyrrell is affected by by love. You know his right. love for Boomer and then his love for Callie, and how that just you know where that has put him as a person. Ellen and Ty, for heaven's sake. I mean, the fact that um. You know, you have kind of Ellen in this, you know, uh, where where is it? Uh, shoot. Uh, oh, yes. So the the idea of, um, you know, Ty reading the. No- OK, so was there. Did you see the scene with Gianna and Chief and Ty? Was that at least still in the air in there? The only scene I saw with Tyrell and Gianna was when they were sitting together and she was hating Simon for being a or you know hating. are you serious they didn't have the scene with 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 Ty and and Chief and Gianna in a, in like the like the the briefing room no and they were talking I'm coming for all of you mother son of a freaking racking <laughs> I need to have a punching bag here that's what I need right now looking around Yes. And everything is just like something that I can't break because I don't have the money to replace it. Oh, so geez. so they had this scene where basically they were kind of talking about uh, her husband's death mm-hmm. and the idea that, you know, that he did this. And, and, and he, she kind of gets that they're accusing him or Ty is accusing her of him being a Cylon. And that's part of the reason why she's so pissed off later is because she defended him right? and then right. realizes that he is a Cylon. Mm-hmm. But at that point, and, and Chief is there to kind of like be her advocate. And and Ty 
is kind of he's not being full on Saul. Like he might even be sober in this one. It's I'm not sure though. But he he he's kind of talking saying it without saying it but in a gentle way and then you know she hands him the note that si- that Simon left for her and he reads it and it says love outlasts death and the fact that you have Saul Ty saying that makes it especially poignant because really his love for Ellen t- and that they're tied together over over the centuries you know that bond between the two of them. Yeah. You know, again, a great this love story of like they are completely fracked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. as individuals and even together, but it, yet they they are always a pair. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of just the fact that they talk about that and the fact that Ellen at that point in the show, I believe, I don't think she's dead because that doesn't happen till later. But the fact of everything that happens, there's a lot of there's a lot of weight to what's being said there. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I thought that was interesting. Um, but but just kind of going on all of that, that and, and then especially at the end where, where, you know, they're they're talking about how, you know, they're going to die in the cold, dark of space. And, and he's like, well, we've got 170 you know feet of launch tube. We might die of our injuries before we get to space. <laughs> And it's like, oh my gosh! And and then at the very end, right before the door opens, you know, they the uh, gumshoe cavil sticks out his hand. Yep, yep. And the other cavil, even though he's kind of disgusted by this point, he's already said, "I'm going to have you boxed and this and that, and I don't like you and all that." He grabs his hand because at that moment he wants to be comforted, and yep. you realize at that point that that's that's what that character wants most. Like that's what he really wants. And did you but notice he can't that? Get it? And did you notice that Fleet Cavill's eyes were closed? And Gumshoe Cavill's eyes were open before they went through. I did not notice that. I, I happened to notice that. Ah. Which will lead to my, I, I have a couple questions for you, like I said, toward, toward the end of all of this that I, I would like to pick your brain on. But Okay, well, it, I'm, I'm done with my moment there. So. Well, can, can, can I also uh, quickly throw in just a couple, I, I, I wrote these down. Oh, we have honorable mentions? No, 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 uh, quotes from, from the scene. Ah, because I yes. really enjoyed... I enjoyed overall how they started this movie out where it was the march of Gumshoe and and Fleet Cavill to the airlock. And it starts with him with, I mean, the the whole thing really kind of starts out as the retelling of this when when Gumshoe says that we made a huge mistake by doing this. Yes. And, And he doesn't go into why yet. And and it's the moment, and, and so it's in this moment that you're talking about, where where he goes into this, in what has to be the longest pause before they open the airlock. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever because they already show like Adama and Ty in the control room, like yeah, where they do it, like they're still talking. Should we let him talk? I ah, just let him talk. Just let him talk. Um, but but he he that or Ty's like, where did I put the key? Did I bring the key? <laughs> or do- I supposed to bring the key. Ty's taking a swig from the flask, uh, yeah. so they're getting a few words in while he's doing that. Uh, but 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 basically, there's the payoff at the end on, on that on that comment. And so here here's here's a couple quotes I wrote. So I, I think he starts off by saying, "We had a temper tantrum in the form of a cataclysm," <laughs> which I thought yes. was fantastic. Oh. And then and then this is where you, like you were saying, you you understand how this version how the gumshoe version of cavill it has learned something uh mm-hmm. because he says we wanted them to treasure us them being yes. the final five we wanted them to treasure us more than humanity their own history and blood they wanted to be told and he goes on to say how how they 
Cavill and the other models wanted mm-hmm. to be told they were princes of the universe. And he yes. said, our parents would mourn them, the humans. They love them more anyway. Which I mm-hmm. thought was a really interesting quote that he, that he said that he learned. And, and, you know, part of that comes from a conversation or a, 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 something that Andrew says to him that, that, I don't, that neither of us really got into with our moments. But Andrews talks about how, how love goes beyond, you know, death. Um, kind of yes. like what Simon said as well. You know, that de- yep. death is not the end of, of, of love. And so it was just very, uh, just very poignant words from from that version of Cavill. And then, what what I found kind of funny, and so here here's the first question to pick your brain a little bit. I, I love, and maybe this was just him being mad, but I I found it interesting. He made the comment, "I'm going to box your model," and I'm like, uh, "Aren't you boxing yourself at that point?" <laughs> well, I think he means like him individually. Yeah. I think that's I think that's what it meant. Like he was he was going to box his model, like his model of the. Or, or, or maybe he wasn't. Maybe it was just like meant to be. Like he's totally off, he, <laughs> off yeah, his he, nut he, now. He's just off his nut because he's about to die. Yeah, and he's saying something foolish. And you know the 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 other part of it is too. Like with Simon, it's like you know, is this hinting at something Cavill did throughout the series, which is whenever you had Cylons who had these sort of breakthroughs, where they they started to break away from the collective and become more individualized and come to a place where they could understand and see the error of their ways was he boxing those models but that couldn't be 100 percent true because they eventually came to the point of the truce they eventually came to the point where they as a collective they started to divide because you had certain models wanting to continue down the path they were on and other models wanting to go in more of a peaceful route um Mm -hmm. so so probably that's not the case but i i just found it interesting that you know i i wondered if 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 this if fleet cavill when he resurrected because he's the mastermind of a lot of what ended up happening did he end up you know boxing or or taking out of commission the cylons who could have you know propagated this sort of you know mindset uh sooner you know what i mean like like was that part of what he was doing overall like like basically squashing any sort of individuality uh that was coming out of what they had learned from their time with the humans well, I think in in some ways he didn't have to. So the be, I think because a lot of that those shifts in perspective came from being in close proximity to humans for a long period of time, yeah. and so Boomer was the one who Boomer and Caprica were really the two that that didn't. But that but then of course there was a discussion that they were going to be boxed. Yeah. You know that that they were going to be you know before they kind of caused the 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 revolution within the Cylons that. There was talk that they could be boxed, so th- I think that exists as a possibility. I think that that it makes you realize that yes, that was the, uh, the Cavill was capable of that and would do it without any thought, even to even to a member of his own like model. Yeah, like yeah. totally. Yeah, you're gone. Yeah. Um, but I think it didn't have to happen as much because um, Simon, who airlocked himself, they were out of range of resurrection at that point, yeah. and he was probably the one who would have really given Cavill the most trouble yes you're right oh oh you're right yeah so they were out of resurrection range but they weren't for the Cavils right well no he says no they weren't so he says I'm he says yes there is a resurrection ship in in range yeah so I think the one that he would have had to worry the most about would have been um what would have been the Simon that was in the fleet and 
that that didn't have to happen because he just died for real. Like they were out of range of resurrection. So that that was really the major one that I think he would have had to because all the others, uh, really their their shift in perspective only happened because they were around humans. Right. Right. You know. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and then of course the 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 tail end after they get airlocked. And what was interesting was you, you know yeah that moment when Gumshoe sticks his hand out and it's kind of interesting that. You know, there, there's that desire for, for connection in the face of death. You know, they're talking about how the anticipation is, you know, just just worse than the act itself. And then they get they get launched out and they're still holding on to each other. And and I love how how the whole movie ends with that. That and, and the, what I wrote in my notes is the, the haunting quotation of Cavill telling Ellen how limited he is as a human. As, yeah. as he and Gumshoe hold, ha- hold hands and die in the vacuum of space, but ironically, dying in the very presence of the thing he wanted to experience and have flow over him. You know, like yes. the gamma rays and all this other stuff, you know, with, with the nebula and, uh, yeah. and how he wanted to experience that. And it's like, well, you kind of did. <laughs> and as you said, he had his eyes closed. Yes. Yep. So he lacked even the even the briefest moment of... Of having that, right. So another thing that I, I want to make sure that we get out here too is the um, the writer of this episode and executive producer, who is uh, Jane Espenson. Mm-hmm. Espenson, I, I'm not sure exactly how I'm pronouncing that. If I'm pronouncing it right, uh, she was the writer and executive producer for this episode. However, she was also a, a regular writer on on BSG and wrote five has a uh, five episodes that she wrote, and man, some good ones here. Uh, the passage, of course. Mm. With a with the 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 nebula that they had to get through, dirty hands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Remember that one? Uh, Escape velocity from season four. Oh yeah. Also the hub from season four, mm-hmm. and deadlock from season four. Nice, nice. So she really kind of had a and and if you're gonna pick someone, I mean someone who wrote like three of the last, you know, twenty episodes of BSG to to do this, definitely the right call. Someone who's yeah. in tune with how that that series kind of came to an end. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. So what, what other, what other uh, thoughts do you have here? Uh, well, qu- questions I have are, let's see, I think I asked you already about, you know, Cavill boxing, the individual Cylons. I, I wanted to go back to day, uh, to daybreak for a moment. And we, yes, please. We, we didn't talk too much about this, but how did you, did, did you feel that, that the way Cavill ends up where he takes his own life, on Galactica, yeah. is it fitting to the character? You know, given the fact that he is this ambitious, uh, very ambitious, very arrogant, very self-righteous sort of character, that in a moment like this, now again, it's it's really the end for everyone because like like this was it. Like resurrection was going to be, you know, their 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 key out of all of this and and continuing the Cylon race forward. Why would he consider that as his option? Do you think he was trying to rob Adama and crew of the uh, opportunity to end him themselves? Or was he just like, this is it? And I mean, I mean, all he says is, is, is frack. And then, and then, then he takes his life. Um, yeah. Given what we saw in the plan, does that shed any more light on this for you? Because for me, that was always kind of an odd point that, you have this guy who masterminded all of this, and when push comes to shove, at the very end, it's like he just gives up, you know. And 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 that's the part I didn't quite understand myself, as far as from a story perspective. Yeah, 
it, it makes total sense to me because uh, in some ways he betrays himself to be the he is the mastermind who is also a bit of a paper tiger he's he's a pretend tough guy and for all of his talk and all of his bluster he's sending everyone else out to do his dirty work what does he really do within the fleet to do anything mm-hmm. you know to to actually accomplish the mission and he has this nihilistic sensibility of of it's all you know he just wants it all to burn and and in some ways that resurrection was going to be his only his only hope, and after that, if if I can't have resurrection, if I'm if I'm gonna die just like everybody else, then let's just do it now. Yeah. And and I think it's also that fear of like I, you know, there's no one left to, there's no one left to to tell to go out and fight, yeah. and he really is a coward in a way. You know that he doesn't, he he he's scared of what's gonna happen. Yes. He's scared of death. He's scared of how how things will turn out, and he he takes the easy way out. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, like in the fleet, like he, he's willing to send Doral out with a suicide vest. He's willing to tell uh, Simon to go blow up a ship. He's willing to tell, uh, you know, Smart Six to airlock herself. He's willing to do all those things. And really, the only person that he goes after is a child. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's all he's willing to do. Like, he's not... He's a big talker when he's got a bunch of centurions hanging around him or a bunch of bodies that he can throw at somebody else. But when it comes down to him, mm-hmm. mm-hmm, that ain't going to happen. Well, well, that's that's a really good point. I mean, he he, he is a constant manipulator, right? I mean, he he. Mani- oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, not even just of the situation, but he he manipulated the mechanical Cylons by by ripping out whatever the I'm forgetting the what the component's name was, but when when yeah. six and eight uh, their ability really to 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 higher thinking. Yeah, to, to higher thinking. When that's restored and he realizes, you know, what happened, that's, you know, not, not good for him. Um, I, I think it goes back to when, when he and Gumshoe are in, the, uh, are in the airlock and his eyes are closed. I mean, like you said, the, the, yeah. the cowardice part. He, he doesn't want to experience or, or he's afraid of the experience, so he, he doesn't really do a lot. And, and that was something that stood out to me when I watched it yesterday was, yeah, he's the one barking all the orders. He, is, he really isn't doing a whole lot. Yeah, no. And in a way, he, it reminds me of, of Zarek at the very end. Yeah. Zarek is manipulating everybody else to do the dirty work, but he doesn't want to own up to any of it himself. Right. Right. He wants to, oh, no, I'm doing this for you. Right. Isn't that what you wanted? Mm-hmm. That's why we have to do it this way. He doesn't want the responsibility. Zarek is willing to do it. That's the difference. Zarek is willing to do it. He doesn't want to own the responsibility. Yeah. Cavill's willing to own the responsibility. He just doesn't want to actually do it. You know, yeah. and I, maybe that helps him avoid some of the responsibility in his own mind. I'm not sure, but uh, I, I, I do. I feel like he, in a way, he is a bit of a coward. He yeah. is, he is the manipulator who is the coward when it actually comes down to okay, now you have to face it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh-uh, uh, I don't want to face it. Yeah. So it may, it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. No, no. I, I, I think you know. Now that we've talked through it, I, uh, I've seen the light. But 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 Hallelujah. but in the moment it it just was a very confusing thing because like you said uh, and 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 I think you're right I think it's the cowardice I think it's the the exposure of him as not being as strong as he has projected himself to be throughout the series um, but the very first time I saw it I remember thinking that is such a strange way for that character to go um, but I think the plan kind of uh, backs that up. You know what I mean, and and oh and, yeah, and basically kind of emphasizes it a bit more because it really, 
you know, like I said, as I watched it yesterday, that that was a note I wrote down is, man, it like Cavill's ordering everyone. I mean, for, for, for being in season one, you had a sense they were so unified, you know, as, mm-hmm. as as a collective. Like they were supposed to be the Borg. You know what I mean? Like they were supposed to be on the same page. They were different models with different attributes, but they were all on the same page. Yeah, and, just better dressed. And what's that? Just better dressed. Of course. Uh, yeah, without all the creepy, you know, like tubing coming out of them. Um, or, or maybe I'm just thinking of Trisha Helfer. Well, <laughs> I mean, uh, Doral was, you know, Doral, and you know, although Simon was a, was pretty snappy, and even uh, even Dean Stelk, well, no, Dean Stockwell was basically old old dude casual. Yeah, basically. Um, Lee Oban though was kind of was kind of had a little bit of like uh, like surfer like slacker sheet going on there. Yeah, I was thinking like '90s yeah. grunge. Yeah, and, and Deanna always, you know, she she always looked like she was she was, uh, you know like deck to the nine sort of thing, but in a, in a kind of low key way, they each had kind of their own little spot in the, in kind of the, the J crew catalog of Cylons. Yes. It was yes. interesting. You know, they, even down to the wardrobe, they each have a, had a little bit of a personality, I guess. Yeah. But I don't know why I think that much that I'm actually able to detail all that. This is, we need to talk about something else for a while. I'm realizing how deep I am. Yeah, I know. No kidding. Jason. Um, but but I, I might need an intervention. But but it, it, it was kind of a, it did kind of stand out how how he was operating much as, as the, I'll keep saying, you know, mastermind. Like, like he, he was the individual driving the collective. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it was just kind of interesting to see that kind of get to, to stand out. You know, with, with, yeah. with him. So, uh, yeah, yeah. That that was it for my points. Uh, I I think one special mention we have to make, if only because I will uh, look forward to hearing the audio drop when this is uh, fully produced by <laughs> Uncle Todd. And you know where I'm going. Oh yes, I do. Is of all the things they could go back and reshow and kind of tap into from the past series. What do we get from from our, our our go-to man for for comedic levity in the middle of all this? But good old ba- Gaius Baltar and the no more Mister Gaius uh, scene was was fantastic. No more Mister Nice Guy. No, sorry, no now. more Mister Nice Guy scene. That that was that was fantastic. No more Mister Nice Gaius. But viewed from the opposite side, we got to see what Six was like in there, and it was interesting because y- you see her like feeling hurt. Yeah. Yeah, in that which is is is, is it, it, again it adds a little bit more layering. You start seeing like oh yeah. if if she had stuck around in the fleet a little bit longer, all of a sudden Cavill's got another person who's who's a human sympathizer. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, that was a, that was a great moment, and and that was a, another thing that I think overall we just a lot of credit to 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 Edward James Olmos and and Jane Espenson Espenson Espen, Espenson. Um, moment i don't know uh, so <laughs> did a great job of picking and choosing moments to use yeah, yeah. Uh, of grabbing stuff from the miniseries first couple seasons and dropping in and in some ways just accelerating some of the moments which was really cool like mm-hmm. especially even uh, the idea of leoben mm-hmm. when uh, he was listening in on starbuck and you kind of start understanding like this this obsession that is building for him for Starbuck. Well, yeah, and yeah. I, I thought that was brilliant how, how they did that. Yeah. And actually, uh, you know what? I'm going to leave the rest of that. I'm going to change up something in my characters, and, and we'll talk more about that in a second. But just just the just the way they grabbed stuff mm-hmm. and then repurposed it, and then in some cases just showed you the other side of it because now it has a different context once you, cha- once you put a different scene before and after it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And now all of a sudden it's it's a very different thing, which I thought was really cool and really well done. Really well done. Yeah. No Overall, more Mr. Nice you know. Guys. No. No more Mr. Nice Guys. Oh, Anyways. good Lord. I know. I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm in too deep, man. <laughs> <laughs> Need help. Oh, uh, all right, so let's go to. Let's, do you have any more? Any more kind of no. thoughts for you? Okay, so uh, who are your top characters from the plan? Well, I'll, I'll go through my list, but I, I think we've already talked about them, so I don't know how much more mm-hmm. to add. Um, my top three were uh, in order. Uh, at number one, Simon. I, I really felt, like I said before, this was a nice way to. Uh, broaden and deepen his character um, to put him into uh, this sort of light where y- you get to see him be more than just, you know, just the Cylon uh, that, that, w- that we just saw throughout the series, who is, like I said, he's just cold, calculating, you know, part, part of Cavill's, you know, cabal sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just seeing how, you know, he even got in deep with, with a human and, and how it helped him, uh, you know, kind of understand love and and make difficult decisions and and ultimately sacrifice himself for his family. Yeah, uh, I I thought was was really a, a great turn for that character and and provided a lot of depth um, when there really wasn't a lot provided during the series. Uh, number two, I have Gumshoe Cavill. Well, actually, one one other thing. Yeah. So it all he also had one of the best scenes. Uh, I thought, uh, like as far as like just quick little scenes, but like uh, the the Caprica Simon. Who, who we, we didn't really talk about that much, but Caprica Simon was also a nice little mirror to Fleet Simon, yeah. where they yeah. were they were really uh, two sides of the same coin sort of thing too. Yeah. And the the scene when him and Cavill are down on Caprica and uh, and Kara and Anders are having their <laughs> moments, <laughs> and is so fantastic. I love like, I, I love it when Cavill's like like, like he, he's so uh, like he's or she's so beneath him, and he's like, well, that's one why way. Not? No, no. Was, so, so before that, it was like you know, you know, why, why are they together? And he's like, he loves her vigorously. It's <laughs> like, oh, as I, I hope that was an improv. I hope so much that's an improv. Uh, but then when he's like, you know, and then Cavill's like, he's, uh, she's beneath him, and he's just kind of like, not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, will it? I think there was a moment where it was like a little gorilla monsoon going on there. Will you stop? Yes. Oh, it was fantastic. That was just a great scene. It really was. Like just like what's happening on the other side of the of the wall at the at the rebel base. Uh, sort of in Ca- the insurgent base. Ca- Cavill's gorilla monsoon to Simon's Bobby the Brain Heenan. I love it. Yes. Oh, it was fantastic. It was I just love that scene. I thought it was great. Yes. It was a nice little comic relief, but also kind of, you know, forwarding the story a little bit, but it really was a good chuckle. It, it was. Anyways, I want to make sure you got that in No, no, we left well, Simon. Th- thank you, because I had a note for it and I totally I, when I when we talked about no more Mr. Nice Guys, I meant to bring that up too, and I totally forgot. So yeah, thank you. So yeah, Simon was uh, number one. Number two was Gumshoe Cavill, uh, as we've talked about. I think his, you know how how his transformation throughout uh, the, the the movie takes place. Uh, I think the scene where he's about to uh, assassinate uh, Starbuck and uh, and and then you know Anders as well. He's got his finger on the trigger, and he just he he can't do it. You know, and and I and I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that I think the conversation with Anders, a lot of his interaction with Anders, uh, was was just you know it was interesting to see Cavill in that light. You know, in the same way that we saw Simon being very cold and calculating, um, and we all, we've always seen Cavill as being very snarky and nihilistic, and 
you know, just just anti, you know, humanity. It was interesting to see a version of him kind of come around and 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 kind of and understand, you know, why they failed and and where where things went wrong for for what they originally intended to do. Uh, and mm-hmm. and the last one, ironically, was was the boy. I I, th- I thought it was a great, you know, as we talked about, I thought it was a great storytelling device to have this boy uh, throughout the throughout the movie uh, be this device of sorts where you think Cavill on you know, the fleet Cavill is going to uh, turn a corner, much in the same way that some of the other Cylons have through their through their connection with humanity and. And you see Cavill, uh, at least this Cavill, is, is just not willing to budge. He's not willing to, to turn. And so, you know, the, the, the boy doesn't say a lot. He, he doesn't do a lot. But I really feel like uh, it, it's a very impactful character because it's, it's kind of like the final uh, statement on, on who Fleet Cavill truly is. And, the, and, and like you said, the fact that he's just this coward who uh, he, he doesn't do anything except, you know, take out a kid, you know, and, and it's, it's – uh, yeah. While he's eating an apple, like not even not even like a legit fight, like yep. he throws the knife down on the floor, like all right, kid, yep. you and me, right? No holds bar to the death. Like the kid's eating an apple, probably hasn't eaten in the last three days. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> you know, gives him prison shank treatment. Like seriously, yep. didn't even get the kid a chance. Nope. Because you know, well, in the end, I think the kid probably could have taken him. Oh yeah. That, oh yeah. That's because you know Dean Stockwell was probably like seventy three when this <laughs> this was shot. <laughs> All you had to do is trip them. You know, so that's it. Those those are my three right there. All right. Well, my three are uh, the Cavils, which I, I put these two together because really, to me, they they it, it's one character. It's really just two sides of it, and and it it it's like having the, the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder. Except there's just there's no one in between. It's just the two of them, and yeah. and they're they're out roaming the out roaming the universe mm-hmm. in search of fun and fulfillment. And uh, so, but it really is like this this tug and seeing both of them trying to, they're kind of fighting against themselves in a way, you know. And I I do appreciate how, you know, one you 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 do get that setup of Cavill in the, the fleet Cavill. Uh, you know, you're like, oh, I think he's learning, and nope, he ain't. Uh, but that idea of like he can kill, but the but uh, Gumshoe Cavill can't, right. and he has. Right. I mean, good lord, he has like ten minutes <laughs> for crying out loud. I mean, not only like he puts a rifle up, and you and you literally watch like not ten minutes, but at least a minute and a half, two minutes yeah. of yeah. of like Anders talking to Starbuck and Starbuck talking to Hilo and then and then Hilo talking to like one of the like uh, no, Sushan and then you know so and so talking to so and so and oh no Sushan was dead at that point um, you know Sushan R.I.P. but uh, so but, but uh, everyone's talking to everybody and all you see is the crosshairs and it's like even me like I'm like dude you gonna shoot I mean yeah make your move or put it down yeah <laughs> seriously they, and he can't do it yeah they 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 make it pl- they they make it very explicit that the wrong cavil was in the wrong place right if if fleet cavil was down on caprica and and not in the same boat as gumshoe he would have taken that shot in a heartbeat well i don't know because the again they they are they are the same model they are they share the same experiences the same programming all of that and it's really Gumshoe Cavill's proximity to the insurgents. And if you look at, you know, Gumshoe Cavill, he's sitting in his little chapel. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't go anywhere. The only time he he goes anywhere is when he's handing out his flyers. And, oh, by the way, shout out Sasinus, ladies and gentlemen. I was going to say that. Sasinus, baby. 
good lord good th-. you know society's probably like hello no he probably thought it was a prank call like yeah ron moore yeah uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah yeah click <laughs> no no really it's me you we got a part for you like you killed me off two seasons ago yeah. all right sure yeah. i gotta eat too and uh and that was good to see i was i was glad to see society's back yep. um yep. and you know so you know, but he really doesn't associate with the humans. He doesn't mix with them. The only time you ever see him is is when he's associating with a kid, mm-hmm. or he has like that one conversation with Sasinus, or the one conversation with Tyrrell, and that's really it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he really doesn't seem like he he's around humans at all. Yeah. Now, granted, I do think there is something to be said for what you said. I think there is something in that particular in the Gumshoe Cavill who is who starts diverging quick uh, more quickly. And, and is more open to that, and it kind of illustrates the, the difference between the individual Cylons even within a model. But, man, I, I don't know. I think it's just a... Maybe. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm trying to talk myself around in circles well, here. No, maybe I, you're right. No, I mean, I mean you, you do have a point, because what, what brings Gumshoe to the point he comes to is the, fa- is the interactions he has with the humans. And, and, I, and, and, and maybe that's the difference. Like you said, maybe it's a difference between... Fleet Cavill, who has isolated himself and sequestered himself in a way where he doesn't interact with them a lot, even though he runs this chapel, to yeah. to Gumshoe, who who just gets involved inadvertently and then, you know, just continues to play the role and and finds himself more and more kind of understanding them more than mm. than you know and, and seeing that maybe some of his attitude and bias toward them was was unjustified, you know, and so. Um, so yeah, so no, I mean, they're, they're definitely both, uh, you know, main character, compelling character. And and like I said, I think this, this episode really, you know, spotlights both, both, uh, Cavill and, and Simon very, very strongly. Yeah. And so I, um, another thing about the, the Cavills, uh, and I made this note cause it, it really didn't click to me until you started talking about that, the last scene, um, where he's talking about they want to be the princes of the universe and things like that. It's because it, we really feel like Cavill hates humanity when really mm-hmm. it, it isn't so much that Cavill hates humanity. He hates how much his parents love humanity. Yes. He hates the love his parents. So in, in a way, he kind of he really is declaring war on love. Mm-hmm. He's declaring war on his parents love for humanity. Yeah. And it. And it makes me go back to something that got mentioned in season four that's really kind of a throwaway when they start talking about Daniel. You remember the 13th Cylon? Yes. Yep. The one that Cavill kills. Mm-hmm. And this idea of like they, you know, Ellen, as soon as she starts talking about Daniel, oh, he was so sweet and sensitive and an artist. And, and you can see like this love and like, oh, man, I mean, I, I'm, I'm an only child, so I don't know what it's like growing up in a family with all kinds of kids where, you know, one is obviously kind of the favorite, yep. <laughs> you know, yeah. or, or slightly more favored than others or gets away with more because they're younger or whatever, um, which is interesting. It's just a side note. Uh, I'm reading, uh, maybe this will be my, and another thing, but I'm reading a biography of Vincent Van Gogh, and Vincent Van Gogh was the, I'm, I'm mispronouncing it, I'm pronouncing it the more, popular way i know it's a dutch more dutch pronunciation but i'm i don't know it so uh 
Vincent Van Gogh, and I'll be a I'll be a, a coarse individual and not get it right. But he was the oldest of his siblings, and his younger brother, Theo, ended up becoming his parents' favorite because Vincent was basically just such a screw up. Oh jeez. <laughs> He was just like he was causing his family embarrassment and all this. So his his brother Theo, his younger brother, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, the the oldest is the eldest is supposed to be like the shining star of the family, and he was relegated to like second and then third and then fourth, and then he was like the least of the family. Yeah. And how being the eldest, you're thinking like I should be the best. I should I am the person who's going to inherit all this, and that idea of like that jealousy between siblings. Cavill obviously had that because it seems like Ellen had this for Daniel, for this other model, and he killed him. Yeah. Because of that. And that idea that, like, he just can't stand the idea that his parents, his creators, mm-hmm. would love something else more than they would love him. And that's the root of all of his stuff. Like, I wanted to be more, you know, I you stuck me in this body and you loved humans so much because, yeah. you know, you, you made us look like them and this and that and the other. But it's also about, you know, you love them more because you model us after them. You tried to make me into one of them. Mm -hmm. And he can't deal with that. And, oh, my gosh, that's just, you know, whew, good Lord. Um, So, anyways, after we talk about Cavill for 20 minutes, my second uh, (laughs) top character was Gianna, who uh, I – man, I I wish we could have gotten more Gianna in the series because uh, the actress who portrayed her, uh, Lamari Nadal – I probably mangled the pronunciation on that, but I thought it was fantastic in this. I thought she did a great job of establishing that character and actually having a little bit of an arc with that character, even in the limited limited space she was given. You know, right from the right from the beginning when she has that conversation in the parts locker with Chief about, you know, I would replace that, and then oh, there's no replacements, and guessing the fact that her and you know uh, that Chief and Boomer were lovers, and then to the end when her and Chief have that moment in the in the hangar deck when you were talking about where she's mad at her husband, mm-hmm. and then tries to start justifying it and all that, and then of course we we find out that she sows the seeds for. For uh, for Chief's you know wannabe swan dive off the top of the hangar deck, yeah, yeah, that she's the one who had that idea, and that's where he got it from. And I was like, man, the fact that there was this nice little arc in this episode for that character, and that she, I think she hit every note along the way, yeah. uh, was fantastic. And I'm like, man, couldn't we have had one more knuckle dragger? Like, I wanted more from Gianna. Yeah. I would have loved to have more, but you know, there's only but so many deckhands that you can give time to on a given episode. So, well, and oh well. and and you're you're the guy who has the memory for all the lines, but I I forget exactly what Tyrrell says to her during their conversation, but but I I, I like how, you know, he he portrays what happened with Simon is him doing something like, like rather than how do I say it rather than her hating Simon because he's a Cylon Tyrrell says something to her. I forget what exactly what it was. Oh yeah. Maybe it was, there was something else that he was supposed to do and he, he didn't do it. Right. Oh, oh, uh, right. Cause, yeah. cause what Tyrrell relates is how Boomer could have. Oh yeah. Boomer was a better shot than Boomer that. Boomer was a better shot than that. And, and, Coming to the realization, you know, hearing Tyrrell kind of articulate that 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 maybe there's something going on with them that that may, yeah. maybe that inside of them what they have built up over their time with whether it was Adama or Gia Gianna's time with Simon that something inside of them has has gotten to a point where they're not doing 
you know, the, the machine like thing that they should have been doing, you know, and, and, yeah. and they're making decisions differently. So even though Boomer, you know, still shot Adama, you know, m- much like Cavill says to her, it's like, you know, she, she's like, I shot him in the chest twice. She's like, how about we do one to the head? You know, that sort yes. of thing. <laughs> Such a great Dean Stockwell line, oh, too. My oh, gosh. my gosh. Yeah. And actually, just to, okay, two things, two things, two things. Uh, so that that was a great Dean Stockwell line. The other one being when he's being dragged into the brig and he's like, I'm not a Cylon. I'm not a And he sees the other cab is like, oh, all right, then. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was just so great. Like, oh, man. Kind of reminded awesome. me of the of Monty Python and the Spanish Inquisition. You know, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Our first weapon, chief weapon is surprise. Surprise. I'll come in again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was, I mean, it was like, that should have been a comedy sketch. Oh, like, you half expect gosh. a laugh track to come in at that moment. Yes, yes. Um, and so then the other one was um, when... When Cavill is uh, Fleet Cavill's talking to Boomer mm-hmm. in the brig, mm-hmm. and she's talking to talk about like the idea of like um, the differentiation of a, of a centurion and the and the and that something is going on with them and and how they're 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 fighting against themselves and things like that. The the reaction that Cavill has when Boomer is saying, "I had the only way I could do what I did is I turned myself into a centurion." Yeah. And I, yeah. I had no feelings, and I could feel the bullet un, in the channel under my skin, mm-hmm. and I became hard like metal. And it's kind of funny because even though Cavill's like, you know, sounds fantastic to me, and he's playing it off like that, but initially when she says that, like his eyes go wide a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I'd, I'd say it's fifty percent like admiration and fifty per, like kind of awe, like that's what we want, and fifty percent like. Oh my goodness! I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting that. Like to to because he doesn't know, right? He doesn't right. know. He's not the one going out there and shooting anybody. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that idea of you know of what it takes to do that, he doesn't know that. Yeah. I mean, he's. I mean, granted, he killed Daniel. We don't know how that all happened. I mean, he might have just drowned him in a resurrection tub. We don't know. Yeah. But we know that in all of the time that screen time that Cavill has, we don't actually see him really do any of the stuff that is happening mm. you know so i thought that was interesting yeah, yeah. um it, anyways uh so gianna we got the cavils we got gianna it's taking me forever to get through this <laughs> and i i i kind of apologize i kind of not because i'm trying to drag this out as long as possible uh number three <laughs> it was gonna be way to be transparent uh, <laughs> hey you know trying to I just, I don't want, it's so hard oh, to say goodbye. And right there, we're going to get sued if I go any further. So anyways, uh, boys to men, ABC, BBD, East Coast family, baby. You and me. Uh, so anyways, yeah, ex- see, somebody was alive in the 90s with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. What a time. What a time. Mm. Anyways, uh, so then the third one, I was actually going to have the sixes. However, I mean, we've talked enough about six and Trisha Helfer and, and how great she is. No more Mr. Uh, nice Guys. Yes. So I'm going to go with Leoben because I, I really did feel it was interesting how we saw the beginning of his obsession with, yeah. with Starbuck. And then especially kind of the other side of like the idea of, of – you know, uh, Cavill kind of sets him up, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you know, you need to do this, but right now you've got other problems. And you see Cavill just 
peace out real quick. And then the Marines come in, <laughs> and that's where that's where Leoben gets caught. And Cavill's like, oh, well, that sucks. It ain't me, though. <laughs> and does everything but, like, the Bugs Bunny walk away, like, it's like, oh, my gosh. But then the idea of, like, when, when you have that interrogation scene between – uh, between Leoben and Starbuck, and Leoben, of course, you know, does the whole thing, which I thought it was one of my favorite moments of the whole idea of really showing you who the Cylons were, yeah. because you didn't really see like, oh, they're machines, and he talks about I could tip this table over, rip these chains off, and and grab your spinal column and rip it from your body and break through that door, kill the guard in less time than it took me to tell you this, and mm. you know, I didn't do it because it's not the time. And then all of a sudden he does that, and he's got her up against the door, and all of a sudden the entire he sees the future. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, he wasn't BSing like Leoben actually does see this crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh my, wow, he wasn't just saying it, it's actually happening. I, and he sees like the entire thing play out yeah. up until up until the explosion of Kara's Viper. Right, right. Which I'm like, that that added a lot of back, it gives you an extra gravity to what Leoben's saying. Like, oh, he isn't crazy. Well, I... Well, <laughs> Well, what I, as crazy. What what I liked from it though is it, it it very concretely exposed how he first got on to honing in on her because it wasn't just him having some weird obsession with her. It was the fact that he saw in her when she took over, like when she found her way uh, to to get that Cylon Raider to fly to get back to the fleet, and mm-hmm. he understood what she did. He he took that quite literally as, you know, she must be tapping into the, the, the data stream somehow, or, 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 yeah. or, or there must be something to her. And, and that's what gets his curiosity going about her is the fact that for her to, you know, so easily, uh, and, and we know it wasn't easy for her, but, but it, from his perspective, how easy it was for her to basically take over and fly a Cylon Raider was, mm-hmm. was a huge step for him. And, and that's what gets him going into realizing there's something special about her because not any, you know, it's, it's not normal for a human to just kind of jump in and figure all that out, you know? Oh yeah. Uh, And, and like you said, then, then there's that moment that they replay from, from uh, the series where, yeah, he, he, you know, he puts her up against the wall with, with his, with one hand and he's holding the door with the other. And then he has this stream of, 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 you know, future events that are going to take place. And, and and I yeah I thought that was that was kind of a neat way to kind of br- oh I did it there it is yeah that's, uh, man, that's I think that's the first one hour and fifty nine minute mark baby <laughs> good lord uh, but that's where it was a good run it was it a, was good, a run. good run it's usually toward the end I think when my mental faculties start to fail me it's uh, you were so close to getting your two hour chip ah oh, jeez ding um, but and back off the wagon ah, that's right. That's right. But <laughs> hours without neat, back to zero. <laughs> How do I like my scotch? Not neat. Um, but anyways. Yeah, so I, I, I just like that out of, out of his character, that, that, that they had the, you know, just the wherewithal to kind of tell that story and and you know it's not like they went into a lot of depth i think i think the moments we have with leo ben are short but they're impactful and yes and they definitely you know kind of give you that that picture of okay this is why 
he started down this path with her because honestly, like, and, and you can go back to our podcast episode. I think when, when he had her captured in, in the apartment and stuff, I mean, there, there's, there's questions about why, you know, where is this all coming from with him? You know, like, is, is he just some, you know, is, is it just that his Cylon model is just, you know, so, you know, whacked out on, on the philosophy or, or the religious aspect of, of how people play out in, in reality or something, or, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, we don't really understand the motivation behind it, but this kind of gives us a very clear idea as, as to what triggers him to get him going. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, and I, the more I thought about it as we were talking through this episode, I'm like, wow, you know, Leoban isn't, isn't a huge part but yeah, the, the like you said, the the scenes that he has are very impactful, and and really that was enough to, for me to to change what I was what I was doing well, because well I'm fickle and like you and and like we discussed when we talked about you know the beginning of season four when it, it does kind of explain a little bit too. I mean, if you really want to reach here, it does kind of explain uh, the question I had raised around why I you know I asked you the question why do you think. Leoben ran away from her when she sees her body. And like you said, when we see that moment, he only sees as far as her uh as her viper blowing up. Yeah. He he doesn't and he doesn't see beyond that. And so and you might have said this when we talked about it, but but there is that point of okay, now we're in uncharted territory for him. He doesn't know what the heck is going on. Well, and yeah, and, and the thing is, we see that it compressed into a couple of seconds. Now, I can download a gigabyte worth of information onto my computer relatively quickly. Much, much, I can download it much quicker than I can actually watch or listen to that gigabyte worth of music or video. Mm-hmm. That, what we're seeing, I think there is the download. You're seeing like the, the real quick, like buffering or scrubbing through all that he just saw. And he got all the detail. That's why he's, he can say, you know, you're going to tell me that you love me. And this and that and the other, and he sees all that. So he didn't see it just in vague detail. Like he sees it in detail. He knew every all of those moments that were going to happen. Then all of a sudden, it's there's nothing there anymore. It's a, a bit of like, um, oh my gosh, Sirak in Westworld when all of a sudden, Rehoboam isn't talking to him anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's silent. He doesn't know what to say. He's so used to hearing the words to say. Right. Now it's not there, and it's like it, the silence must have been deafening. Like there's there's a sense of I don't know what to do. Up until then, Leoben had seen everything that's going to happen with him and with him and Starbuck, and now all of a sudden, whoa, wait a minute! Now we're off the page, mm-hmm. and this is this is not even like I could have taken a lot more, but this is way where there be monsters here. Yeah, this is way off the edge of the map. Yeah. And I, I think that's it makes a lot more sense how just you're right. It makes a lot more sense why he's so freaked out in that moment. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So overall, now, I mean, how do you, how do you really feel about this about this movie? I mean, do you feel like it's it's really important for Battlestar Galactica fans to watch? Do you feel it's, uh, I mean, are we are we into like Star Wars Episode One where there's actually literally nothing that takes place in this that you need to know that isn't covered somewhere else? So just skip it and save yourself the pain. I somewhere in between. I, what do you think? I kind of think it's 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 viewing it's best viewed. Uh, after watching the series, honestly, I I, yeah. I think. Uh, do you think it's a Do you think it's necessary viewing? I do. I I, I think it it because honestly, when and, and I didn't say this in, in when we did our reviews, but 
when, when we looked at you know the two podcasts uh, we did on season four and then the one we did on Daybreak, I never really mentioned this, but I, I really felt like there wasn't a lot of service paid to, to the characters of Cavill and Simon. And, you know, not that that's the reason to watch it, but it's it's very interesting to see how key their characters were to what happened in seasons one and two when you saw very little of them. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they really were just, they felt more like bit players than anything else. I mean, Cavill was really just this new character that kind of popped in around the time Tyrrell was having those strange dreams. And you didn't mm. really understand who he was and, and the importance that he carried. And when you watch the plan, um, I, I think the order you watch it in does help actually the way you receive it. Because I think if you watch it before you see the series, it just doesn't have the same meaning. Oh, yeah. No, you could. I mean, the only yeah, you couldn't. The only way I could think is you could watch this like after season two. You know, because e- it, e- even then, I would say watch the series first and then watch the plan. I, 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 I oh, I, totally, yeah. I think you would appreciate it. I, I get what you're saying. I mean, you could watch the first two seasons and then watch it, but there are yeah. things that do kind of point ahead to what where things go in three and four. You know, the oh, the, totally. the, final, yeah. the final five really aren't a thing until the latter half of season three, and they're you know, and and it's kind of funny how the story plays out. It starts off with that. But it really just ends on on the two cavils, and and it's really not very much about the final five. At least the version I saw in sci-fi. Um, well, yeah, you didn't catch the other eight scenes where it talks about. No, I'm just kidding. It, it, it the thing is like I, where we talked about you know how Battlestar Galactica always fought for those character moments. Yeah. I know a lot of what they were doing was probably common sense cuts that you would be made for a lot of other TV shows mm. that just weren't made for a show like Battlestar Galactica, where where the characters were layered. It was it was like oil painting, just layer, 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 right. Right. and they probably cut out a lot of stuff that in traditional editing you would. Because, yeah. hey, it just speeds things up. Hey, look, we've got this. It's much tighter now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's tighter, but that's not the point with a show like this. That's just, it's not the point, yeah. which is the thing. That has never been Battlestar Galactica. And to do that 10 years later, to me, is, uh, it's stupid. Mm. It is stupid. you got people who love it the way it was. They all hate you. And now you're going to mess with it? Come on. Yeah. Come on, I hear you. Anyways, I hear you. But uh, just to, just to be clear, my my own when I said you could watch it after uh, season two, that I I would definitely not suggest that. I totally agree with you. It is necessary viewing, and it is best viewed at the very end. That was the only other possible time I could think that viewing it might be good. Mm. Although I guess you could also make a case for after season three. Mm-hmm before watching Razor because it would carry you up to Starbucks death and then Starbucks coming back. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a little bit of that there and then also seeing Pegasus in the in the shipyards at the annihilation would kind of lead you into into that but again there's so much that happens in in season 4 that is important to the plan mm-hmm. even though they don't really show anything any footage from season four it really is so informed by season four that yeah. it, it, it it's the perfect spot right where it is yeah yeah i agree yeah i agree i don't feel like it's 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 a cheap fan service sort of thing i don't feel like it's no it's, it's misplaced or or it was just an excuse to do more content i think it was it was kind of, you know i go back to the beginning when we started this i i think it was a really creative idea to go and say let's tell let's tell part of the story 
or at least part of what the series represented from the perspective of what is essentially the enemy. And, yeah. you know, we, we've never seen that with Star Trek. We've never seen that with Star Wars. Uh, it's always been just from, from a, a certain point of view, you know, and, uh, and, and it's always been from the hero point of view. And so to have it be, um, and, and, and it, and it fits the tone of the series because the series was never about the black and white of it. It was always really about the gray area. And it was always about, um, like you said, everyone on the show, you've, you've said this throughout all of our episodes, everyone on the show has a secret. Uh, and, and, you know, not everyone is purely good and purely evil. There are people who make poor choices. I mean, Baltar, as we talked about with Daybreak was, was the perfect example of that. I mean, he, he literally went through all three phases of, of what a human could, could probably do in terms of, of, you know, work in their lifetime going from being, you know, a, a worker as a scientist to a, a politician to a religious, you know, leader. I mean, there, there's really no other roles to play after that, you know, and, uh, well, and, perhaps a a baker. Well, I don't know. you know, yeah, you could do it's 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 you know food science, I suppose. Uh, yeah. But you know, hey, uh, but 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 you know, his character and others, you know, had to make you know mistakes and tough choices, and and that's what the series was always about. And so I think it was, you know, uh, a, a great way for uh, the story and the series to get some deeper context. You know, after you consume the whole thing, to then watch this and say, oh, this is what this is what led to these things happening. And, and this is how these things took place o- across the first two seasons. So, so yeah, so I, I, I highly recommend it. And I think it is uh must watching uh, or, or must see viewing, you know, for, for someone who considers themselves a fan uh, much as we consider ourselves. So must see BSG a must see a BSG. So two more two more little tidbits that I want to throw out here because again I am a trivia geek and nerd, so one of the two, uh, so the close up shots of the rubble on PyCon. Remember when uh, Ellen was being it was in the rubble? I'm guessing yes. that's what the scene yeah. they're referring to. Mm-hmm. That's actually the remains of the Battlestar Galactica hangar, or battles of, of Galactica's hangar bay set shortly after it was struck and bulldozed. So that was, this was shot fairly closely after the end of the fourth season while they still had all the sets. Oh, interesting. And that scene was basically the, rem- the remnants of the, s- of the hangar bay set after it was destroyed. Oh, wow. And, and being torn down and, and, and being rid of. I had no idea. So I had no idea. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Interesting and sad at the same time. Yeah, that's true. So the other part of this, a big shout out to to Bear McCre- uh, Bear McCreary. Uh, I'm I I don't know why I think I've mis- mispronounced his last name every time, and it's not that hard. Bear McCreary McCreary. Anyways, uh, he returned to score the plan, um, and basically the end credits music. Did you catch that? Did they have that on the sci-fi version, or I, did they just do like the real quick? Yeah, I, I, I did catch it. It was a little bit different. Yeah, I, I remember that. Yes. So uh, that's an original song, Apocalypse. Ah. And uh, basically, it's a counterpoint to a variation of the series, Gaia, Gaia Triri Mantra, main title. Um, and it's, I was, I didn't notice it, or I don't, it didn't stand out enough to me to remember it before viewing this. But oh my gosh, that was haunting, mm-hmm. and it was gorgeous. It's just a vocal only kind of arrangement, almost of like the beginning 
of the main title scene, uh, main title theme. Yep. Oh, it was beautiful, beautiful, and it's such a great way to kind of like this is the last BSG thing. Yeah. And for that to be that haunting and sparse, I was like, oh, that's perfect. Yeah. That is absolutely perfect. Yeah. Oh, it was it was amazing. I loved it. Love. Then again, I mean, I loved everything about Battlestar Galactica. Uh, so that's no surprise. <laughs> and another thing. So what do you got for this week uh, for And Another Thing? Uh, so my And Another Thing is inspired by uh, something I, I got as a, a f- by way of a Father's Day gift today. Uh, it is a book, uh, a recipe book, if you will. So I'm going a little bit outside of what I normally do. Normally it's music, Ooh. movies, or TV. But this the czar of char talking some food, ladies and gentlemen. That's Come right. That's right. i got to start living up to the title to some degree. Uh, but it's called Fit Men Cook 100 Plus Meal Prep Recipes for Men and Women. Uh, now, sir, now, folks, you want to take some you want to take some notes here because uh, he doesn't like to brag about this. But my friend Tim, he is an ultra marathoner. He is a, a, <laughs> he has been through multiple Ironman events. Oh. He can bench press 500 pounds. Oh, and he's got a bridge in Brooklyn he wants to sell, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I I I appreciate the accolades, but but they are all fictitious and none have been earned. So oh, wait, that's like every other episode we we're talking about you grilling brat. So yeah, that probably that's, <laughs> ne- never mind, never mind. I grilled my sixth state of steak of the day, and uh, my cholesterol <laughs> is clocking in at a good uh, eight bills. So you know. <laughs> Ding, 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 ding. That's right. Uh, but yeah, so it's by uh, a gentleman's name is Kevin Curry. Uh, he is a fitness influencer and creator of the number one best-selling food and drink app, Fit Men Cook. Shares 100 easy quick meal prep recipes that will save you time, money, and inches on your waistline, helping you to get healthy on your own terms. So uh, nice. I started reading this today. Uh, it was very interesting to read about his background. Um he, uh, you know, he didn't go to college for this at all. This was just something he kind of found his way into, and uh, it was just an interesting story of, of someone who um, he, he kind of he kind of hit his stride right at a time when um, you know when social media was starting to open up a bit more in terms of uh, uh, trainers and diet and you know kind of nutritionists uh, going from more of a, a, a you know pay to play model to a more of a sharing open sharing model. And, uh, mm-hmm. and literally he said, you know, I just started sharing recipes just cause I wanted feedback from people. You know, he, 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 he was tired of paying trainers who, you know, he felt really didn't have an interest in him getting better. Uh, but he, he did value their opinion, um, when it came to recipes and diet and that sort of thing. And so he just wanted to kind of put things out there and just try to get, get some feedback. And he, he grew it into this, this, this fit men cook uh, community um, where where there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of interaction, a lot of trade, you know, sharing of recipes and experiences and things like that. So so I'm hmm. I, you know I'm, I'm making this recommendation off of you know reading you know a <laughs> chapter or two, but I I feel very inspired <laughs> by this person. Uh, That's cool. And and you know he, he makes a couple really you know very interesting points, saying you know the people who he knows who have been most successful in their diets. Are, are, the, are the people who have been very organized with their diets. And so he said, you know, one of the ways that people fall off uh, from, from uh, uh, the goal they set for themselves is, is when they don't plan. 
you know, and, and, and part of what this book is about is, is, is the preparation part of it. The other part of it are the recipes that, um, you know, that he's come up with that are low carb, you know, low fat, uh, recipes to, to help give you alternatives. Um, for example, one of his signature dishes, um, that's gotten a lot of attention, uh, you know, over the years apparently has been, um, he has a recipe to make a pizza whose crust is solely uh, chicken. What? Yes. He has a recipe where you can create a pizza crust out of, ch- out of basically you blend up chicken, uh, chunks of chicken with uh, the spices. Like, uh, I, I don't have them all in front of me. But, you know, oregano, basil, what you would typically associate with pizza. You spread it out. You cook it in the oven. And apparently it crisps up. And once that's done, then you put your toppings on, you know, your tomato sauce and your toppings. And then you cook that until it, the cheese is melted. And you have essentially a pizza that is uh, its crust is all protein. So I am fascinated. Sir. Well, I am fascinated to try it myself. <laughs> uh, as, as much as I am the czar of char, I, I like to think of myself as a bit of a. Uh, a, a Jean-Luc Picard, if you will, of, of the food universe. I, I like to go where, where few have gone before or where some have trailblazed and try to experience it myself. So I'm going to pull a, a page out of JL's book and uh, strap oh, in and don't. strap in and go warp nine on this one, baby. <laughs> I bet you think you're all neat by using JL. but <laughs> it's, it's a neat book, people. Neat. Neat. Well, for me, uh, what is I'm yours, my friend? Go, what is yours? Uh, I'm going literary as well this week, uh, as I just figured it out in the middle of this episode. Yeah. Copycat, so, uh, yeah, copycat. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. And actually, I'm going to give you a twofer on this one because it, it kind of reminded me why I was interested in reading this book mm-hmm. was, was was twofold. So uh, I mentioned Vincent Van Gogh earlier. Again, I'm using the crass, coarse pronunciation of Van Gogh. I know that it isn't pronounced that way i know there's a different pronunciation i just don't know what it is and i don't want to mangle it and i figure most people know van gogh so this is a book called van gogh the life it is a biography of vincent van gogh and it is by oh my gosh i forgot i can't pronounce this guy's name either stephen nafa and gregory white smith uh, and i believe uh one of them or both of them maybe have won um uh the Pulitzer Prize uh, for their biography of Jackson Pollock. So it's nice. it's a it is it is a beast of a book. Now, so the reason that I came across this book was, uh, and, and the reason I say it's a beast of a book is it's uh, 800 plus pages. It's not a quick read, to to say the least. It is not a, a quick beach read, you might say. Mm-hmm. So uh, when pandemic hit. I was woefully unprepared in terms of my to-read pile. I, I like to keep a little to-read pile on uh, on my bedside table of books that are like, hey, I finish one and I can start another one. I just I like to always have something to read. It goes into planning, a lot like what you're talking about with nutrition and, and fitness and things like that. The more you plan and are prepared, the more likely you are to follow three. Follow three. Follow through. My gosh. <laughs> Getting late in the show. Here, habit, 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 habit. 
Exactly. So for me, if I'm going to continue to read, and I, I I like to read, but it's one of those things where you can get lazy real quick. And hey, we've all got electronic devices everywhere that can distract you. Mm-hmm. So if I have if I have books ready to go, I'm much more likely to pick up another book the next day or even the same day that I finish uh, my other book. So I was woefully unprepared, and I was looking for some new books to order so that I'd have something to do during COVID nineteen, and. Um, Austin Cleon, who is an author and a uh, artist and a poet and a, a really cool creative cat that I follow on uh, on multiple social media platforms, recommended this book, and so I was like, "Ah, eh, I'll pick this up." However, it also reminded me of one of my favorite episodes of Doctor Who, and again, this is we're we're ranging free in this one, but there is an episode of Doctor Who, the Matt Smith Doctor Who, because that is really kind of my doctor, and we'll have to we'll have to get into Doctor Who at some point because it is a very niche geek sort of thing, so it really fits our our modus operandi, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but there is an episode called Vincent and the Doctor, and it's this point where Doctor Who and his companion Amy Pond go back and they visit um, Vincent Van Gogh, and. I, I'm not even going to bother to tell you the storyline, but it is a it is one of the most beautiful episodes of that show that I've ever seen. Nice. It's it's so great, and it's just so touching and 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 really on so many different levels. But I kind of thought of that episode when I saw Austin Kleon recommend this book, and I'm like, you know what? I'll order it. So I got it, and I've been reading it, and it is really fascinating. But it's also really fascinating just how freaking long it takes Vincent to get around a painting. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> good lord, I'm up. I'm like around page three hundred, oh, and he's, and I mean, the dude's just getting into art at this point. Like it's, and this is like his late twenties. Yeah. Like he did, he tried to do everything except art <laughs> for, for so long yeah, yeah. it's it's kind of crazy uh but it's, it is actually a really good book it's really interesting and it is a it, for being a tome of 800 plus pages it's actually a nice refreshing read it, it doesn't read like a textbook or anything like that nice. and if you're a fan of biographies i highly recommend checking it out it is very well written and i'm looking forward to 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 finishing this up and to really having a, a really a great depth of knowledge of Vincent Van Gogh. Nice. And again, I know I'm not pronouncing that right, so don't tweet at me, yo. So <laughs> I don't even I don't even know oh, where I came out with that. Good stuff. It's get it's getting late, dude. I mean, we're you know we're, I get to a point sometimes. Uncle Todd's where I'm, getting punchy. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Todd is punchy, and then all of a sudden you get on the mic for a couple hours, like, did I just say that out loud? I did. Okay. Oh, boy. So once again, thank you all for for tuning in and for listening. Uh, We really do appreciate it. We appreciate you spending any time at all listening to us, because we know that this is... I mean, this is all just jibber-jabber, as uh, our good friend B.A. Baracus would say. Mm-hmm. And and we do certainly appreciate you tuning in and listening. Uh, feel free to download and subscribe if, if you are so moved. We do appreciate that as well. And um, But, of course, most of all, uh, once again, during this time of, of pandemic and, uh, and a lot of stuff going on, uh, as we are all kind of 
you know, hopefully listening is uh, be good to your fellow human beings out there and, and, and really just do your best to, to love somebody and uplift somebody around you. And, uh, and hopefully we can all get this, uh, get this whole world going in a, in a positive and wonderful direction so that we don't have to worry about a bunch of bad stuff continuing to happen because people are just being turds. So that all being said, uh, now we come to the portion of the program where I, I, I turn to a man Nay, well, no, I turned to a man, and uh, who, who is, <laughs> I, I was going to try and build it up more, but then I'm like, where am I going to go with this? I don't know. And it was just going to be embarrassing. So, and I know, I, I, don't, I know you don't like to be embarrassed. You don't like to be puffed up and, and made more of. You don't like, you don't like a fuss being made. That's right. I'm a cool cucumber, baby. <laughs> Jeez. Never mind. <laughs> I, t- <laughs> I turned to this schlub. Uh, as, uh, <laughs> Mando! As someone who has been a, a beacon of inspiration for me in my life, which really ought to just show you how far down in the hole that I am. So, <laughs> Jesus, oh my God. <laughs> hey, I bring you up at the beginning and I bring you down Jeez, to the end. It's, it's, just knock me down. It's kind of it's my method. So I, I turn to the man who, who when, it, when it comes right down to it, no matter how you score it on the card, he is the less idiotic of the two idiots who run this show. There is, there's no way. And you know what? Ladies and gentlemen, if this were a football game, it's the fourth quarter. There's a minute 30 left. I'm out of timeouts, and I'm down by three touchdowns. I ain't coming back. Mm. I ain't. I know in the last show I maintained that someday maybe, maybe I might be the less idiotic. It ain't happening. I, I'm, <laughs> it's, only, it's only been a week, and I'm already realizing that that dream is dead. Oh. That dream oh, is boy. dead. And you know what? Long live the dream. Mm-hmm. Save, it, save the dream. Thank you. I was I set you up for that. I was hoping you'd come in for me. So I turn to the less idiotic of the two idiots who run this show, and I say, Sir, if you would be so kind and good, mm-hmm. take us home. Absolutely. I will take the mantle from the pool tycoon, and I will say the following. First off, a happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, both, both, yes. both past and present. Uh, for, for those who have impacted their children's mm. lives, uh, keep up the good work. And for those who are no longer with us, we thank you for your service. I uh, mm. also want to call out a big thank you to our uh, listeners. Uh, we are at 741 downloads, my friend. Holy cow, there's that many people with bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> which, which averages out, because we all know how Todd likes the maths, uh, averages out to about oh, 23 uh, downloads per episode. Which, you know, let's be honest, when you and I started this this. This journey, uh, uh, just one week shy of, of, of a year ago, I, I don't know that we thought we would climb to such, uh, d- you know, just, just amazing heights. Just, yeah, we'll call it amazing for now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Considering the quality of this show, it is amazing, really. It really is. But uh, a big thank you. Uh, and... Uh, you know, as as we said, if you are a fan of BSG, uh, definitely check this out. This 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 is definitely uh, must see BSG, as my uh, my cohort has has put it. Uh, but overall, uh, you know, it's 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 a bittersweet sort of time. We're 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 kind of walking away from from the Battlestar content. There's really nothing left. There's there's no last thread to pull at this point. So, with that being said, and as we oh wait 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 wait, wait we have to we have to. We have to actually give one quick little 
shout out. Okay. Yeah. Because this is the final BSG episode. Uh-huh. And so your your sister-in-law Heather, our our BS our our, our free-range ADC super fan. Fan of the year as declared by Todd has been has been binging BSG mm-hmm. and, and going back and listening to the episodes. So she is actually this is kind of going to be time travel for her a little because bit. she's going to be catching this later. Heather, thank you so much for bearing with us. <laughs> we do appreciate it. We we appreciate the, the the feedback on Twitter. Yes, we do. Call, call, and, calling and us out when we have so clearly violated our own rules on every single episode we've done. Yes, yes, and and I, so so I, I just want to take a moment and I, I just want to I just want to say thank you, Heather. Mm-hmm. And Heather, frackety frack frack frackin frack 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 frackety frack 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 oh, frack, just, frack 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 frack. Oh, good. Frack and frack. Okay, thank you for that. Anyways, I think this is my ending. (laughs) (laughs) This is my exit. (laughs) Oh, good Lord. Anyways, after all of that, (laughs) uh, be kind to each other, be safe, be healthy, be good to one another, uh, and and per usual, uh, please hit the lights on the way out. I think I took the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon. What did you say? Damn! You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Get out. And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. So say we all. So say we all. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. In the immortal words of Gorilla Monsoon, will you stop? (laughs) Never. (laughs) Oh, man. Good stuff.